Hello and welcome to episode 33 of the Film Yak Podcast. I'm John. I'm Kevin. John Evan. And with us again today is John Ryan. Hello. Thanks for joining us. Glad to be here again. Thanks for filling in last week for uh, me. Mm-hmm. Had to step aside for a week. Thought it was going to be longer, but uh, yeah. Nicole totally encouraging me to get back into it. So, wanting me out of the house, go away. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, this week we're going to be talking about Jonathan's pick, Gus Van Sant's uh, movie called Jerry from 2002. We're also going to talk about a couple of trailers and other stuff we watched. And, uh, yeah. How's everything going? Going good. Pretty decent. Yeah. <laughs> this is great banter. Let's <laughs> move on then, I guess. Uh, oh, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, trailers? You want to talk about those trailers? Stuff from the blog? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Talk about Venom? That the new Venom, Venom trailer? That like looks when they... like just straight fucking trash. I'm sorry. Yeah. It looks terrible. <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> the uh the like when they actually like show like the full venom at the end of the trailer I'm like that looks so fucking spawn. Oh, it does look like spawn. It's it a good looks call. very yeah. very spawn. Hadn't it's thought like, about that. It's like computer graphics haven't gotten that much better since 97, 98. Has that always been a thing? I feel like venom and spawn just have always looked the mm. same. I Maybe. Can see, I could see that. Yeah. Tom McFarlane used to draw for Marvel and then he really? created yeah, spawn yeah. so makes sense so is venom a good guy i don't i don't know anything about the, the venom comic he's been in, a the, bad guy. in the venom comic he's like an anti-hero okay right okay and they actually made a point of saying that in the trailer anti-hero okay yeah. I, I, so, wasn't, I guess i wasn't paying yeah. attention. what i don't understand is that i don't know much about i like everything i know about it comes from like uh the cartoon from the 90s yeah same the here. spider-man cartoon and in the spider-man cartoon the symbiote or as uh jenny slate <laughs> says symbiote uh comes to earth and locks on to Peter Parker, who is Spider-Man, and that's why Venom is able to shoot webs and so on and so forth. Yeah. Ah. But like, I don't understand how they're going to cover that now if there is no Spider-Man in this movie. It seems like they've skipped a, a valuable origin story of where this... Didn't they cover Venom and... Or they covered the symbiote and... Yeah, One in Spider-Man three. three. I don't yeah. think that's continuing on because Eddie Brock was played by Topher Grace in Spider-Man yeah. three. So I don't think yeah. that that's uh, this yeah. is connected to that at all. It's the best Spider-Man. No, never seen it. No, okay, Don't I haven't mind. seen it either. I saw I, the end of it. I like the end of it. I like. Bad. I like it's that bad. he uses the sound to. I mean, that's from the cartoon also, but or, or the comics probably, but where he uses the sound to get the symbiote off of uh, Eddie Brock. Where does Carnage come in? He's after Dormammu uh, for reason oh, from that's the right. other dimension. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, Dormammu is in Doctor Strange apparently, which I never saw, but he's huh. in the villain. Was he? In that. That's yeah. what they. That's what I read. I don't remember. Oh, last second villain. Oh, okay. Okay, that's what it was. He's like a, he's just a presence. He's like an interdimensional uh, god being. Right. The coolest, coolest villain. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um. Well, yeah, I think Venom looks like shit too. But I mean, that's not. I mean, all superhero movies are terrible looking to me. Uh. Yeah, and this one's Columbia in association with Marvel, as opposed to just Marvel. It's not Sony. Was it? It's got to be Sony. Sony owns Spider-Man. Oh, okay. I would imagine it's Sony. And it doesn't matter. Right. I, I just remember, uh, the thing I hate the most about the, the trailer is uh, Tom Hardy's weird, like, Brooklyn accent that he affects. Like, in the movie The Drop. He's, he's exactly the guy from The Drop in this. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. 
Which is weird because it's supposed to take place in San Francisco. Yeah, it's weird. (laughs) He doesn't know how to do another accent. Yeah, I mean, he did a Welsh one in Locke, but I mean, no one really cares. But he is is British, yeah? Yeah, he is British. That's how it comes easier to him. Just uh, Miriam Webster's Twitter account, they did make a note of saying that uh, both pronunciations of symbiote are technically correct. (laughs) Just no one says it like that because that's dumb. (laughs) It was really, it was brutal, man. Yeah. And even, like, Jenny Slate being in the movie is weird. Like, I, I don't understand yeah. like how they, like, cast these weird, like, alt-comedian actors in these, you know, seemingly trying to be, like, self-serious comic book movies. It's just very odd. Yeah, I think oh. they're just trying to, like, they're trying to get, like, some of the Parks and Rec crowd. But also, like, I'm sure she's a comic book nerd. Right, yeah. Cause well, of course, yeah. Of course she is. Everybody's uh, yeah. Every, everybody's now. everybody is somehow a secret closet comic book nerd. I'm not. So. <laughs> right. I mean, everyone in Hollywood, at least, right. seems to be. Really, the the Disney police could be on us any second for not currently being at the Avengers movie. Just so you guys know, <laughs> I'm good. I had uh, uh, Winston was just on me all day yesterday. You're going to see Avengers? You want to go tonight? <laughs> I'm going tonight. You want to go? Does this guy even know you at all? No, he knows me. He's doing it to get okay, a rise okay, out of me, I think, because right. he knows that. I'm just like, I'm not interested in this shit at right, all, but he's right. just... He's like, I've been waiting for this movie for like 10 years. I'm like, well, how... This movie didn't even exist. Like, They didn't talk about this movie 10 years ago. It's all been building up to this. I'm like, so ridiculous. Is it really... Is it? Is that how it is? It's building up to this? I mean, all, all the movies all these, technically yes, are building yeah. towards this one, but it's not like they had that. I mean, they might have had that plan in theory at the beginning, but it's not yeah, like they yeah. announced this movie like three years ago. So it, you can't you can't have been waiting for it for ten years. Like even the Iron Man, stuff. Iron yeah. Man did come out in two thousand eight, but at that point, yeah. the Avengers were just like a if, a dream. A, exactly, we're like we're yeah, never going to yeah. be able to put them all together yeah, in one yeah. movie. If Iron yeah. Man had tanked, none of the movies would have happened. That's so true. It's that's like true. Yeah. Fuck Marvel. I'm sorry. I can't. I, I just can't do it. Ugh. And 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 honestly, like, I'm sure that. I mean, I haven't liked any Marvel movie I've seen, but I'm sure that like you know, uh, some of them have moments that are fun or whatever. But this is not going to be one of them. I'm sorry. This this one looks terrible. Yeah, and Infinity from, War. It looks it looks like garbage. And from what I understand, apparently the ending is very quote unquote heavy, or. Brutal. Iron Man's got to die. You know that's gonna happen. Apparently, his contract's up. <laughs> you have to sit through 160 minutes to get to that ending, though. So yeah, what's yeah. the bad guy? Thanos. Thanos. Josh Brolin. Josh I Brolin. Thanos. 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 He looks terrible too. He just looks like so such yeah. a boring looking character. <laughs> it's like this big or, uh, purple guy with like lines on his face. Yeah. I don't know. Just so unimaginative. Yeah. Especially since Thanos has looked like I. I I think there's been like four different designs of the same character throughout the uh, the leading up to this, and it's like that's the one really? you pick. Yeah, yeah so. brutal. Well, um, I don't know. The other trailer was "Woman Walks Ahead," which is directed by some woman. I don't know her name. Susanna something. Written maybe? by Stephen Knight, though of Lock fame. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I kind of got that like that. Uh... Yeah, she she shouldn't be in this movie. Jessica uh, Chastain, right? It's about Jessica Chastain, who's a painter who paints a portrait of Sitting Bull, and Sitting Bull's getting hunted down by Sam Rockwell and the army. Yeah, he's the last chief. 
I don't know. Yeah, that just I'm, I'm that good. just seems like such a weird fucking thing. Feels like, like a little bit like Oscarbation. Yeah. Yeah. Is this is this Sam's second second Oscar win? Is no, that? no, okay. he won't even he won't even be nominated. He'll never be nominated again. Mark my words, never. Well, he might be nominated again. He'll never win again. There's no fucking way. Not that he's you know a bad actor. He's fine, but he's he's got his win now. It's over. Right. It's just like these other guys who win like uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. Yeah, well, he, he's a weird example, but yeah, like Mira Sorvino, these people, like, or Marissa Tomei, people who just win and, and it's like totally rant. No, not like them, but like character actors who just like they deserve it because they've been putting in the hours and like, yeah, you know, yeah. so they give it to him finally. Like Scorsese, he'll never win again, even though he's he's great, but he'll never win again. He's got this Oscar already. That's all they that's all they care about. They'll give yeah. him a lifetime achievement when he's about to die, probably. Yeah, yeah. If he doesn't already have one, he might already have one. Yeah. But this looks. This movie looks really stupid, and it looks. It looks like so fucking. Oh look! In a world of racism, there was one white person who wanted to help. Yeah, I, and it's like a lot of that. Yeah, going just on. give me a fucking break. Like, if you wanted to make a movie about Native Americans, make a movie about Native Americans. You don't have to put the token white person in there. Like, I'll straight up watch a movie about Native Americans just, like, no struggle. Just doing things. Yeah. Hanging like, out like a yeah. Richard Linklater Native American movie. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I- I'm so into that. It's not even I'm funny. into it. Get on. <laughs> That'd be cool. Get on that, Linklater. This whole, yeah, the race thing and the... Yeah. I guess it's post-genocide. They show some, some graves or whatever. Yeah. Like last stand or something. I don't remember. Yeah. I just and watched this trailer. And I'm sure there's going to I'm sure there's going to be a lot of guilt <laughs> shots where it's like look what they did. Look what they did. I'm just hoping for some decent practical blood squibs on this thing, you know. It's possible. Somebody gets shot in the back all in blood mist. What did what did you think of the squibs in uh Hostiles? I thought the squibs in the first 5 minutes were pretty decent. Okay. I mean, I don't know. They're not like they're nothing to write home about. All right. I thought it was cool that they <laughs> that they went far enough to like kill an infant. Could have write home oh, about right, right, you know? blood squibs. Spoiler, yeah. they kill an infant in the first five minutes. I right. thought about this as a feedback question before. Um, what is the best example of a blood squib? Robocop. Okay. Thank you. Literally anything in Robocop. Also, yeah. also though, and, and uh. Rustin would kill me if I didn't mention, uh, <laughs> there's a scene in Die Hard where, he, where when he goes under the roof and he shoots, he's like he like hip fires the gun into the uh, Asian terrorist and blood sprays all against the door behind him. That's oh, amazing, yeah. too. I like anything where a blood squib happens and then blood gets on other things. <laughs> Like that's cool, right. especially when it's like not necessarily planned, you know. This kicks fucking ass. <laughs> I'm I'm also not a fan of, uh, like, I'm not not a fan of this, but like the Tarant how Tarantino's going, where he's getting more and more cartoony and outrageous. Like especially oh, yeah. like Hateful Eight is absurdly bloody, and it's to the point where it's like it's not fun anymore. Like it's yeah, just there's yeah. so much blood that it's it's like, I don't know. It's just really goofy. And, like, they started that in, in uh, well, I mean, obviously, like, in Kill Bill and stuff, but in Django, in that last shootout in the house, and there's, you know, he yeah. shoots a guy with a forty five, and it's just, like, looks like he got blown away with a howitzer. Well, even yeah. in uh, Inglorious Bastards, where they're, like, unloading their machine guns into Hitler, and, like, you can see his face flying apart. I don't mind that. That's pretty cool. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the mashed potato face. Uh, yeah. That's Rustin calls it. Uh, yeah, I, no, nah, that's, that's all right. Uh, but I, I do, I prefer, okay. I prefer more, more subtle stuff. Right. Having just said Robocop has Robocop. the best yeah, but, I was like, I was yeah. like, but Robocop I do, but I do prefer, I do prefer subtlety. I like, I like Taxi Driver. 
Taxi driver. Taxi is driver subtle. is subtle. I mean, it's realistic, <laughs> is what I mean. You know, right? right. It's like, Shooting someone in the face. Yeah, and like how they did that. Like I, I love the documentary where he talks about how they like had the fishing wire. Yeah, like, down yeah. And, like, pulled it back through his That's hair. So nasty. That kicks ass. <laughs> yeah. That's so cool. And they they had to build the fake hand to blow his hand apart. It's just good stuff. Yeah. And there's uh, some good squibs and some movies I'm going to talk about later. So get ready. Uh, but yeah. Uh, woman walks ahead. I don't think it looks that bad. I don't think it's going to be very. It's probably going to be really, really forgettable. But mm. um, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll check it out maybe, assuming it's not two and a half hours long. But uh, yeah. So well, get into what we watched, or is there yeah. any other any other things you guys want to talk about? All right. Um, well, who wants to uh, get us start? Well, you're the guest again, John. Why don't you get us started with uh, what you watched? Okay. You know, I think I'll start with something that I think will really play to uh, your target audience. Um, with my students, I watched three times the modern classic Boss Baby. This is Academy nominated. I think a lot of people thought it would win. It didn't. Probably, probably not true. What one? No, Coco won. Oh, right, right, right. Pixar released a movie. Was, was it really, right. was it really yeah, nominated? Right. It wasn't Cars right. related. Boss Baby was nominated? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even realize that. Yeah, yeah. 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 Alec Baldwin, though, right? Alec Baldwin, yeah. <laughs> Alec Baldwin plays the, the titular baby. This baby, uh, oh, it's a, the you know, plot's a little weird. Uh-huh. Uh, this kid, uh, you know, he's got an active imagination. He's an only child. His parents tell him one day he's going to have a baby brother. That baby brother shows up uh, wearing a suit and talking and <laughs> kind of acting like he's running a business or being a spy. It's hard to tell. Huh. Um, now, know, is that, a, is that a, uh, on purpose, like the, the filmmaker wants you to decide, or is it just kind of like a sloppy execution of what sloppy he is? Sloppy execution, okay. absolutely. <laughs> he, is, he is a manager of Baby Corps, which is uh, where all the babies that are not deemed fit for families go to... Uh, <laughs> kind of dark to be part of yeah. <laughs> be part of a business yeah but like he so he speaks with like all these like business phrases but the work he's doing is definitely like spy work so what are the babies the babies that don't get families what do they do uh, they live in baby core and they are they just have jobs as business they people. live at this business oh my god yeah they I have mean, apartments or i think it's uh, you only ever see them in cubicles oh and at <laughs> one point uh toward the end where boss baby becomes uh, a boss of baby core he tends he just stays at his big desk day and night does I boss baby have a name i think it's boss baby okay no. <laughs> he, at, at the end he gets a name because he gets uh, a spoiler family. alert he gets a family of oh, course yeah. uh, warms the heart um, yeah they uh they introduce the plot of this movie about 40 minutes in uh structurally <laughs> this thing is a, just a fucking mess and i'm so glad i watched it three times so i could really study it um <laughs> and all this would be forgivable because it's a stupid kids movie uh-huh. if this wasn't one of those stupid kids movie where they have to like shoehorn in the really terrible jokes for adults 90 mm-hmm. percent uh. of the jokes in here are just like gay panic butt jokes um oh. wow it's just like at the beginning there's at the baby factory where they're deciding who gets to go into a family and who gets to go into management. Like, uh, they're putting the little, uh, pacifiers in the, like the factory lines, uh, like of all the kids mouths and, uh, our boss baby, he's like facing the wrong way. His butts up 
and he sees what's happening with the pacifiers going to people's mouths, and he has like a freak out moment. They're going to put the pacifier in my butt, so he turns around real it's quick. It's going to make me gay. <laughs> it's just it's the first of many just butt jokes that aren't about poop. poop it makes sense. Uh, Alec Baldwin's casting is making more and more sense. I think the only <laughs> the only like adult joke not related to butts and gay stuff. <laughs> is when uh, Alec Baldwin is holding a meeting with his associates, and uh, one of like his, his the muscle of his little group decides to take a cookie. And guess what Alec Baldwin says? Anybody? I, I know. Stick it up your. I don't know. Have cookies are for closers. Oh, I saw that in the oh, trailer. Right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cookies right. are for closers. Yeah. Wow, yeah. it's brutal. Because Alec Baldwin's in it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this sounds horrible. Any other lines from his famous roles? I, I didn't catch any, no. Does he have other famous roles? That's a good question. No, there were no 30 Rock lines. <laughs> oh, okay, there you okay. go. Yeah. No Glengarry Glenn Ross? That is Glengarry Glenn Ross. <laughs> Cookies yeah. ever closed? Oh, yeah. it's been forever since I've we'll seen it. We'll edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> that perfection. But yeah, right. um, there's, you know, there's a point at which uh, like the kids' parents end up in a giant heart-shaped box like, like locked in it, and they're set below a rocket ship that's about to launch and they're going to die from like the uh the rocket flames and they have to like they have to save the parents does heart shaped box play in the soundtrack oh wow but i can't tell you like how the parents end up there like because there's just no there's just like no explanation (laughs) like they're just there this isn't a confusing or complicated plot there's barely any plot but it just like it's so dumb and not there that it's just so easy to lose track of even mm. when you see it three times. This is bizarre. It's, like it's so kitty and ridiculous, but it's also like so dark and it's not dark. Unnecessarily. Well, okay, but like <laughs> well, I saying, mean, and, you could you could read they, I mean there are stakes here it. where like parents are going to die, but it's not dark. Yeah, and this, like uh all the all the unwanted babies go get sent to a business. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> saying that you saw this three times. I mean, how much attention were you actually paying to this thing? Full attention the first two times because I was watching them with my good classes that were giving their full attention. So I didn't have anything to do. You like, just I didn't go have on your any... computer, man. Watch yeah, YouTube like, vids on mute. I'd already... <laughs> could you have chosen a different film? I could have. Oh. Yeah, that was a weird choice of mine. Well, how with... did you watch it? Netflix. It's on oh, Netflix streaming. How did you get ah. Netflix streaming on in your classroom? It's not blocked on my computer. No shit. I don't. It's blocked on it's, mine. It's been blocked before. I can so. get Vudu, huh? And Directv now. Interesting. <laughs> but I can't get Netflix. Well, what'd you uh, end up? Yeah. The final rating on that this one. This is not 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 recommending it. This is a a one point five out of five. I think it was a two the first two times I watched it, and then it went down. Now, how how much of that is the fault of the film or just fatigue that you dropped it a little bit? Probably fatigue. Okay. You know, I I understand that this isn't always objective here. I, it's you know. never objective, but, you know, <laughs> just as long as we recognize why we're giving ratings. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's terrible. All right. Uh, clockwise or? I'll go. Um, watched Geostorm. Yeah. Ooh, um, Yeah. We're starting with a couple winners. I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, thinking this was just going to be one of those disaster films, you know? Yeah. Just run of the mill. Big and dumb and full of cum. Yeah. Roland, Roland just, Emmerich? 
It's yeah, not, it's no, not it's Emmer. not. No? But I thought it was going to be like oh. you know something like his. It's a Gerard Butler vehicle. It Ugh. is. It's a zero. I gave this a zero. Wow. It it was horrible. It was excruciating to get through. Gerard Butler is the worst actor. Yes, he yes, is he the is. worst actor. <laughs> like there's, the, there's been some evidence of that. Yeah, hands down. <laughs> yeah, he. He has, he's trying to do this American accent, but it's Ugh. like it's so thin and just like yeah. brittle. Yeah. And it just ends up he's like blah, blah, blah. it's just like there's no like there's no words. It's I think just he's like Scottish bo- and he's yeah. played a Scot yeah. like three times in his whole career. So you think he'd mastered the American accent it's, by it's now? It's insane how bad it is. Like in Den of Thieves is the same thing. It was just like coming through like every other word. He's horrible. Yeah. Man. <laughs> Why can't they just do like like with Arnold? You know, there was never any explanation in any of his movies why he was speaking with an well, Austrian accent. Some of them did, but yeah, I agree. Like well, it's just yeah, like he's yeah. Arnold, but Gerard Butler miss he doesn't have the personality to back him him up. Uh, that's true. See, or the muscle. Exactly. Arnold is so. a is a force, so you don't even care that he's Austrian. <laughs> he's just Arnold. Like I don't think most people even know he's Austrian. They probably look like, the accent disappears because of his yeah, personality yeah. is that big. I can in see my that. opinion. What <laughs> Sorry. Why are we casting Gerard Butler? What's like the theory here? Is he just he's he's just I, don't think, he's a na- I think he's a name, and I think most people don't think that. I don't think people share our opinion of him. I don't think they think that they would say. I think your average moviegoer would say Gerard Butler's a bad actor. Who cares? That's supposed to be a good actor. He's an action star. But he's I don't not care showing, about that. He's not showing up in movies that are making a lot of money. He's showing up in Geostorm. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, Olympus yeah, has fallen. Den of Thieves. Olympus, Olympus has, has fallen. Those, those fallen big. movies make some money. Yeah, a little oh, bit. Yeah. Not right. not like a shitload. I'm sure Den of Thieves was yeah, decent. It, it was it whatever. I guess I don't know. Uh, I don't know how much. Was it he the star of those movies? Of the Olympus movies, I think. Or, he, I think or, he's seriously White House seriously, down and seriously. Olympus has fallen. He was the star. He's okay. still riding the 300 wave. Like that. That's what it is. It has to be it. Like 10, 11 years ago. <laughs> He was in Coriolanus, also weirdly. Like it's he's yeah. in some like little strange like uh, like he was in that Guy Ritchie movie too, Rock and Roll. Rock and Roll. He's in these like really weird like tiny mo- movies, and then he's in these big dumb goofy blockbusters. <laughs> yeah, and he's well, bad in everything. He's playing a scientist in this too, so it's just yeah. like it's <laughs> just, it's just mind blowing. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah, and he's surrounded by these people. Like there's I don't know her name. Um, Jessica Chastain. No, she's like German. <laughs> I don't even know Ooh. if she's an actress, but German. Jessica Shostin. She's sur- he's surrounded by all these people who are like pretty believable as their characters, and he just he's so out of place. And huh. uh, Jim Sturgis is that his name? Yeah, he is uh, horrible. This dude is fucking awful. Yeah, like, it's just like and they're like together. They're like brothers in the film, so it's just like what? It's just double trouble. That's it's it's horrible. Double trouble. That's disgusting. But, Abby Cornish is that the girl? Uh, you're talking about? Yeah, she played maybe. Sarah Wilson. I think she's Australian. Yeah. Yeah, she's from did, New did, South did, Wales. Did, did, no. Is she in the uh, National Treasure movie? She's all right. She's in three billboards. Uh, I don't know. I didn't let's see. Okay. I don't know. Maybe. She's anyway, a Robo, Robo, Robocop. this ah. movie, as, this also has Ed Harris in it, which was like a kind of a slap in the dick. Like, I was just like, <laughs> you want to see him do something good? Yeah, I like Ed Harris. Ed Harris yeah. is a lot of shit, though. But I mean, it's he's like, just dude, like a paycheck actor now. Him and, uh, yeah. Him and, and him and uh, Andy Garcia are in this, and they're just like... Andy Garcia is a real paycheck actor. It, yeah. It's, yeah. That guy doesn't do shit. It's super bad. He's but, in, he was in the uh, the fucking uh, Nespresso commercial with George Clooney. <laughs> like, oh, gosh. <laughs> Suck that low. <laughs> but the greatest offender of this film is the absence of the fucking Geostorm. There's no fucking Geostorm. It's the threat. It's the looming threat throughout the film. 
Oh, but it never happens, and it's but just the, like uh, the satellite does go haywire and like yeah, fry people, right? Yeah. Or something like that? It, yeah. Okay, so like <laughs> at the end of I think it's like in 2019, like, a, like there's like a string of hurricanes, like horrible hurricanes and earthquakes and shit. Uh-huh. So they're like, okay, we're gonna band together. Like all the nations are gonna band together. We're gonna create this grid around the Earth, like this satellite grid, and it like controls the weather basically. And it turns out that like, I'm gonna spoil this. It turns out that the president. Or, well, you think it's the president. Um, Andy Garcia has, is like plotting. You know, he's like secretly hacking it and like <laughs> to take over or something. But it ends up being Ed Harris, who is like the Secretary of State or something like that, and he wants to okay. become the president. It's retarded, but uh, <laughs> it's it's massively stupid. But um, yeah, there's like a few instances where there's like tidal, a couple tidal waves, and like yeah, like w- one little village in Afghanistan gets like frozen, which was none of this is cool. It's it's fucking horrible. But yeah, the, the how's the CG? It's it's not good. Uh, uh, it all looks like it's on a set. Like there's this one scene where there, there's like tornadoes, like in uh, India, and it just looks like this. It's this little tiny set, and there's just it's just all it's green like a, screen. They built it's a miniature. All, yeah, it's just <laughs> oh. like insane how bad it is. And there's no geostorm. Like I'm just like I just what a bummer. That's in part two, geostorm two for real this time. Like, yeah, <sighs> I think this movie had a pretty substantial budget. Yeah, I, I guess all the money went to it's all Gerard CG. Butler. May, I don't know. That and <laughs> probably, but like, there's so much CG. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm sure it was all the CG. Probably sure there's like a lot of shit with the satellites. Of the like they do shots. a bunch of stuff with the satellite. There's a lot of space yeah. scenes and had a budget of 120 mil. Yeah, made 220 mil. So yeah. wow, I don't know. Damn, we we fucked that one up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we American people that went to see that movie. Yeah, yeah. It's bad. I yeah, hated it. Looks hated every minute. Of it. It's an hour and forty nine minutes. Yeah, oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. It should be a tight like seventy five. Yeah. Based on what you're and saying, and the Earth should be destroyed. I'm sorry. Like the opening scene, it's the fucking G. You should Storm. go watch uh, Twenty Twelve. <laughs> that's the movie you that. want. Oh well, that's what you and want. And it, it, like, it's mildly entertaining. Well, it's like a roller coaster ride. Yeah. yeah, but this was not. This was a a painful. It was experience. like the Tas- Tasmanian Devil ride at Six Flags. <laughs> it's just like fast and it jerks you around and it gives you a headache. No, it's like Space Mountain at uh, at Disney World. Went uh-huh. there last summer. Um, hadn't been there in like 15 years. And I'm like, oh, you know, I remember the uh, roller coasters being pretty tame, you know. It's probably not that bad. <laughs> Go inside. And I swear to God, I'm going like 100 miles an hour in the fucking dark. <laughs> so I'm just like, oh, fuck. And like, it, you can't see anything. It's scary as shit. It's a great metaphor oh, for this God. movie. Did you ride the Aerosmith roller coaster? No. It's very similar, but you go upside down in the dark. Which is no more, thanks. more frightening, and you have to listen <laughs> oh, to Aerosmith geez. the whole time. You do. That is what is issue. the name of it? The Rock and Roller Coaster. The Rock and Roller Coaster. Okay, yeah. <laughs> they suggested that, but after Space Mountain, I was like, I'm, I'm done. That was probably Ro- smart. Yeah, Roller Coaster. Yeah, no. You'll stick with the teacups from now on. Yeah, didn't do the teacups. Are, did Splash Mountain? Though. I find those a bit oh. more sickening. Splash oh, really? Mountain because they spin around. Huh? Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, uh, zero out of five for uh, for Geostorm. You know, you know, you know, you, oh, actually, you know oh, what it's like. You oh. know what it's like. What is it like? Have you been on Splash Mountain? I have. Yeah. It's like Splash Mountain, but you know when they do the, the like the the faux drop, like you get, you know, it's like that, but the ride ends after that. That's what it's like. <laughs> you don't go on the big drop. You're like, oh, uh, uh, that's it. <laughs> that's what it's like. He worked really hard for that metaphor, folks. <laughs> uh, good job. <sighs> All right, go ahead, Kevin. All right. Uh, let's see. Okay, so I watched Isle of Dogs, mm-hmm. uh, Wes Anderson's stop-motion follow-up to Grand Budapest Hotel, and I fucking loved it. Like, as intricate 
and detailed as everything was in Fantastic Mr. Fox, it's ten times that mm. in Isle of Dogs. Everything is just so well done. Everything is it's it's very very funny. It's very well done. Um, what is the plot exactly? I... So, um, so there are these ticks that have this uh, ticks and you know fleas and stuff that are that have this certain kind of disease, and it's and they may, mostly are biting dogs, and so the dogs are end up blamed for this disease spreading dog flu, and so this guy, Mayor Kobayashi has all of the dogs sent to trash island so to you know like dogs are just banned and um so his so the mayor's ward his nephew goes over to the island because he wants to find his dog spot and then the journey goes from there and there's like uh some political intrigue and some a lot of like Japanese folklore and interesting little tidbits. Um, I know, like one of the criticisms of this movie, of course, uh, they were like trying to say that it was cultural appropriation, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And to a certain degree, I can see where they're coming from, but also. Like, the thing for me is when it comes right down to it, like, this is not the real world. This is a Wes Anderson movie. Now, granted, in this movie, there's a country, and it's called Japan. But it's not the Japan that we know that exists in the real world. Hmm. So, I mean, like, the movie, like, takes place 20 years into the future. And there are, like, you know, the same kind of like robot dogs that we see like today but there's also a lot of like 60s looking like radios and electronics and stuff of course because it's a wes anderson movie it doesn't take place in the real world and um and yeah i mean yes you can make the argument that is that maybe there's some appropriation but i don't see it that is way. it it's in the present day no, twenty years in the future. Oh, in the future. You well, yeah, if there's like sorry. social commentary, uh, I could see people. I mean, yeah. Is there yeah. a reason this movie needs to be set in Japan? Uh, probably because Wes Anderson was really big on Kurosawa films. Yeah, beyond that, I mean, like, there's no like, there's no plot point where it's like it has to be Japan. It couldn't be New York or you know. No, not others. really. Okay. I, I mean, think that's that's probably the. I I would imagine that that's where that argument comes from. The cultural yeah. appropriation thing is that like yeah. there's no real reason this is set in Japan outside of like he went to Japan once and liked it. <laughs> yeah, you and know. uh apparently there's a place called Isle of Dogs in England, and like that got him. This is opportunity right there. Could have set it in England. Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't have gotten any trouble in that with that. You know, a bunch of white English people. Yeah, of course it's not, not quirky enough. Yeah, I mean, you could put some corkies in it. <laughs> Or is, cor- uh, corgis, sorry. Yeah, cor- <laughs> yeah. Is Mayor Kobayashi like a pretty shitty person? Yeah, pretty much. Does that mean that he does not like Masaki Kobayashi, a great, great Japanese film director? I Whoa. maybe he said he doesn't like Kobayashi, uh, the guy who won fired. Fuck who Anderson. If that's the case, <laughs> maybe it's the Kobayashi. <laughs> I don't who, know. Who won the hot dog eating contest that he doesn't like. You know? I don't know. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. That Could be that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, I don't pretend to understand Wes Anderson's motivations for making the movie or, you know, setting it in Japan, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. I think it's a like a really fun movie. I was confused by the fact that it was rated PG-13. Like, this is a PG movie. Is it? Yeah. I didn't even know that. But this is a PG movie. There's no, there's nothing in there to merit it being PG-13. What is it rated? Uh, do you know what it, the rating is for? Like, the filmrating.com? Or uh, I didn't, I bet I didn't look it up. thematic material. Probably. Maybe. Probably just... Let's see. Yeah. Dark themes. Yeah. Language. Is there language Smoking. in it? Smoking. <laughs> thematic elements and some violent images. Hmm. Yeah, I mean... Like there, there are dog fights, but it disappears into a cloud of cotton. Yeah. So there's no blood or anything. There's like a little bit, because um, like when the kid Atari, like he flies over to the island and he crashes, and <laughs> something in this metal piece ends up sticking out of his head through his most is, of the movie. His name is Atari. Yeah, we're gonna, we're Atari gonna, Kobayashi. Okay, we're gonna have to back it up. Yeah. <laughs> <That's>, uh... <laughs> He's really uh, phoning it in with the names on this one, huh? I mean, some Japanese names, Kobayashi, Atari. (laughs) Well, it's like, well, you'd be saying the same thing if somebody in this movie was named Akira, right? Yeah. Is there? Isn't Akira like like John or something? Isn't it like super common? I don't know. It's like super common. I think, yeah, yeah, I mean, but yeah, Kobashi, Kobayashi, I mean, yeah, these are fairly, fairly Mm -hmm. common names. Like, and like someone would be calling him out too if, you know. Like, oh, Ozu, we see the film fan. <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't do that and name all his characters after Japanese directors that he liked. Uh, maybe he did, and I don't know. Maybe. Um, what did you give this one out of uh, five? five? Oh, yeah. I'm going to have to... Your Wes Anderson mm-hmm. head. This yeah. Is like, huh? This is like sh- shoot straight to the top, or are a lot of his movies... Better than all of his other movies? I'm going to have to watch it again to see where it... Uh, comes in for the rest of the movies because like i just did my ranked wes anderson list back in october so yeah i'll have to watch this one again when it comes out on blu-ray and see see where it fits in cool i watched um the out i rewatched the outsiders but i watched the complete novel version which is coppola's director's cut Uh which i'd never seen and which is apparently like 20 minutes longer. Uh, and I, li- I liked it. Uh, I certainly have no rec. I had to read what was different because I haven't seen the original since I was in high school. Mm. But the things that are different, I think I would like them better if they were taken out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's like a lot of um, stuff between C. Thomas Howell and um, Ralph Macchio. And they're not the best actors. And they're trying to deliver this really highly emotional uh, dialogue to each other and it just doesn't work very well and there's a scene at the end with uh, God what's the fucking guy's name from Parks and Rec who's in it 80s Rob actor Lowe? Rob Lowe yeah, yeah. Rob Lowe he's got, he has this like emotional breakdown at the end and it's it's horrible uh, but aside from that uh, you know Matt Dillon rules he's great in it and all the like all the stuff of them just hanging out like when Matt Dillon shows up and he hangs out with he takes C. Thomas Howell and Ralph Macchio around, and they just they go to the drive-in, and they yeah, just hang yeah. out at the different places and on the street corners. Of all that shit rules. I'm, I could watch that all day. And when they just get into like scrapes with other, like you know the uh, the Soches, the, yeah. the uh, Leif Garrett, yeah, exactly. All these like f- fucking jocks and stuff. 
that shit rules. I'm, I'm really into it. And I just, I just really have a huge uh, hard on for Coppola. He rules. He's like one of the better. I feel like he, I really hate the fact that he's been relegated to this. Like, well, I mean, I guess he's kind of relegated himself to this uh, micro budget, you know, <laughs> like these ridiculous small drama, you know, <laughs> like, I mean, I, and I like like Tetro is okay. And youth without youth is okay. But, you know, I just wish he was working in, I almost wish he was working in the studio system still, or if he was like a PT Anderson kind of situation where people were just writing him a check and letting him do whatever he wants. And, yeah. you know, he could adapt some, some novel or something. Cause he, I don't know. He's, he's a real, he's very, very talented. And, well, uh, how old is he? Oh, he's in getting his up there. Huh? Late seventies, not eighties now. Yeah. Uh, but he's still got, he, he, you know, they let him, I, mean, I don't think he's made a movie in like six years now. Huh? They let him, you know, make they let him make one more. It's like De Palma too is the same way. Like he's like in jail or something. They won't give him anything, you know. And it's like I understand you make a, a couple of bad movies or movies that don't do well, but look at the track record, man. <laughs> I yeah, mean, I mean, the, Coppola has multiple Oscars for directing. I mean, maybe he feels like, <laughs> feels like he doesn't need to do anything else, you know. I mean, maybe, but I mean, he's he's still yeah. he was still making movies until recently. I mean, yeah, but, he's just making yeah. really really tiny movies that nobody saw with yeah. Val Kilmer in them <laughs> you know <laughs> can't go wrong with Val Kilmer I mean yeah. in 2012 you might you might could do better but uh <laughs> you know whatever well, it's like Scorsese seems to be the only one of like that that you know like new wave of Hollywood group to actually like keep going you, Spielberg yeah, right, right, oh yeah, 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 yeah and when you think about it well though, well Spielberg is such like a I mean he's just like he's like you know the household name of directors so yeah, he's gonna yeah. do whatever he wants but with Scorsese Scorsese was just smart because I feel like he he attached himself to DiCaprio yeah. he's not gonna get any of those movies made without DiCaprio being in them so he yeah. he attaches himself to this huge star this rising star yeah and uh guy who's on the top of the world and the king of the world and uh he uh <laughs> you know he uh makes all those he makes all his movies does whatever he wants oh, yeah. and then he has to work look i had to work like 15 20 years to get silence made because nobody's in it you know <laughs> like i mean andrew garfield is not exactly a yeah a huge name yeah and like liam neeson like people tend to i think people have like legitimately forgotten that liam neeson didn't make his career by doing action movies <laughs> yeah <laughs> Like he was a dramatic actor for forever. He's Michael Collins for fuck's sake. Yeah, I mean, straight. <laughs> yeah, but but then like you know, Taken happens. Yeah. And, well, wait, which which came first, gray, the Gray or Taken? Taken. Taken. So the so Taken happens, and then it's you know he's well. Just that's just act. how he makes his money now. He's, yeah, he's yeah. done acting. <laughs> he's uh, he yeah. does the Commuter and yeah. Taken one, two, and three, and the Gray and yeah. uh, the one where he's on the plane and all the other. <laughs> yeah, Taken yeah. on the plane, yeah. nonstop. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I don't. That's neither here nor there. The Outsiders is good. Yeah. Uh, I, I would like to watch the original version again when I get the chance. Yeah. But uh, when you said complete novel, yeah. I was thinking like, and you only said it was like twenty minutes longer. I yeah. was like, so it's not like Godfather Two, where it's like no, literally no. another movie's worth. <laughs> it's of material? like uh, no, it's apparently he, he. I don't know if you have you heard this how he made the movie. Like this group of uh, like seventh graders or something was reading the book in their class and they wrote they decided they, they all voted on who they would want to direct the movie version of it and they all decided Francis Ford Coppola so some enlightened fucking 7th graders yeah, yeah yeah well this is back in the you know late 70s 80s when he was a name you know yeah, yeah, yeah. and so they wrote him a letter and he agreed to do it that's pretty awesome <laughs> and then he he uh, adapted the novel and made yeah. the novel and then apparently yeah he had shot all this extra footage and shit so he put it together in like 2005 as the complete novel 
Huh. Which he is made, that? Uh, he made Rumblefish yeah. right after also. Which yeah. Same, same like author. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Rumblefish rules. I've only seen it once, though, but I'd like to rewatch it. I have the criterion of it. But mm. I like, like I said, Matt Dillon, just really, really cool back then. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Oh, I gave it a four, I think. But anyway, John. All right, I watched uh, I watched Frederick Wiseman's latest uh, documentary, uh, Ex Libris, New York Public Library. And I don't know if you guys have seen any Frederick Wiseman. I've seen uh, his first two films. He's these these newer ones scare me, like at Berkeley and shit like that. Like I don't even know if I'm interested in that because it's like three and a half hours of him. Like right, they're all. All like, of his new ones are, are, are three and a half hours. Yeah, I can't. I don't know how interested oh, wow. I am in that. <laughs> Wait, is this the same guy who did the uh, the, like the school one? Yeah, Titica Follies in High School. Right, right, right. I've seen. Which, I, which are great. Oh, fucking amazing. Like, really, really good. <laughs> I think yeah. at Berkeley is also really cool. And so is in Jackson Heights. Uh, Ex Libris might actually be one of the worst movies I've seen from him. And it's, it's still interesting enough to exist, but probably doesn't earn its 200 minutes yeah the thing about his the thing about his movies like the two that i've seen that i like are is that they're like time machines you know they're like you watch it and it's like this isn't the way the world is anymore and it's like if this is real life at that time and something like at berkeley it's like i don't know how interested i am seeing like how a college runs three years ago or whatever you know like i i mean yeah at berkeley might be really interesting in 30 years though oh it when... definitely will be interesting in 30 years but it, uh. like now i don't know how interesting what was this made yeah. very recently yeah th- uh this ex libris came out in 2017 oh, like, oh wow, in, okay. in november oh um, okay it is brand new um but like his newer movies are all about institutions that are are pretty cool like they're like good for yeah, the yeah. world like the library is a good thing yeah berkeley is like a, a good thing the national gallery museum a good place it's there these these are all like run well his old movies are all about like like really fucked up institutions <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah like he has one called primate which is about like this animal testing facility Jesus. and it's what's it's like a really tough one? 90 minutes what's what wasn't there one on like a cycle yeah, order to cut follies oh, oh, that's that's okay, yeah, yeah. oh yeah like that's just like, fucked up that one's yeah. yeah disturbing so like i think in the in the 70s and 80s he was definitely more about like these places that were like fucked up and just like strange institutions uh these new ones are not like the public library is a really cool place they have like some arguments about how they're gonna like keep up with new technology as it comes but everyone everyone's in agreement that we have to keep up with new technology yeah you know and that makes sense and yeah the new york public library has like a fuck ton of funding and a lot of private donors and they have like a lot of celebrities come through and do like speaking events which is actually probably why I didn't like this movie too much. There are just too many like celebrities and authors and other public figures just giving speeches. Because, uh. I mean, his thing is like he doesn't ever do talking heads. He doesn't ever interject himself. He just he just films. It's direct cinema. Yeah. Like fly on the wall. He's just observing mm-hmm. what's going on wherever he is. And he's observing these public speaking events. I just don't think I really needed them. Right. Uh. How, it, how did you watch this? It was on DVD. Okay. Because like I Netflix know rental. like a lot of his stuff is not available. Yeah. Because like I was trying to uh, like I looked at like his website is you've been to his website. It's like where you like yeah. try to sell the rights to his shit for like $500 and stuff. And you can screen his or they you, sell yeah. like a 16 millimeter copy of it. Or he, Yeah. He, he does like 
I think he knows his audience is libraries right. and universities. But it's bullshit right. because I it's not bullshit. That is his that is his audience, I'm sure and I'm sure they're willing to pay that because they're institutions who have money, but like he also I mean he has to know there are also like cinema fans who enjoy his work. Yeah. And it it's yeah. All, all the four new ones are all on like regular DVD. Oh, okay, at not least. on blue. Mm-hmm. Brutal. Right. Yeah, I don't know what they're doing. About Dude, they're that. just DVD is a fucking dead format, man. I don't understand why anything is released on but DVD. That's... Like you can release like Olympus Has Fallen and Geostorm on DVD <laughs> because those are the kinds of people who would want that, or the people who don't own Blu-ray players yet. <laughs> but like, I mean, get fucked. Like this kind of, especially like these kinds of like high high brow cinema. On DVD, it's very upsetting. Just release it digitally at all, that point. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, what's the point of even making all, a hard all these copy? little uh, yeah. all these little companies that are putting out these indie films? They don't. Yeah, they just put them out on DVD. Yeah, I, I bought. I bought a my one of my. I think it was my my number one movie from last year, Super Dark Times. Is that Oscilloscope? No, it's not Oscilloscope. I wish okay. it was Oscilloscope because they put the, this this DVD that my wife bought me for Christmas is a fucking CD DVDR. I'd rather have a it's high a res download. DVD like for real. R. And that is I think I watched that on Netflix, yeah. which I'm sure yeah. looked a little bit better. I, it looked the I movie and the, and the movie is like good looking, like it's a well shot, well made movie. And the fact that it's just like dumped onto this yeah. shit format, like just it's just really fucking irritating. And I also like this. Uh, there's a filmmaker, uh, Jay Cheel, who's on a po- another podcast I listen to. And he, he made a documentary last year called How to Build a Time Machine, which is great. And it's on Hulu. But he he can't get the Blu-ray made. Nobody will make his Blu-ray. They'll put it out. On, his distributor will put it out on DVD all day, but they won't do a Blu-ray. So he had to use his own money to get Blu-rays printed to sell them on his like Bandcamp page. And so I guess I just don't know the economics. So like, why is it so much more expensive to get a Blu-ray made? I, I really don't know. It's I just, mean, I guess it's just like what they're charging in, you know, wherever, Japan or Singapore yeah. or wherever I mean, the fuck they make it. It, also, just, it must be people are still fucking buying dvds too like sure or else yeah well it's like, like it's like think TV about seasons don't come out on blu-ray they right come out on dvd well look at yeah. all yeah like all the old shows like I, I bought roseanne and king of queens and mad about you and all these kinds of shows the news radio like they don't put those out on blue and that's understandable because i don't need mad about you seasons one through seven on blu-ray you know what i mean it's yeah. a it's a sitcom i'm gonna watch it it's disposable i don't give a f- i'd rather just stream I mean, it, a lot honestly. of those old shows they'd have to remaster them to even right put them on yeah yeah right they did that with star trek the next generation and it cost them like 25 million dollars right so they're like we're never doing this with another star trek show again so yeah, enjoy next generation didn't they, change, didn't they like update the graphics and shit too like the cg yeah, yeah. it's all like it's they, really nice but it's they like, lucas it no i mean no it, it's everything's cleaned up like it, it looks way better but uh oh, okay yeah i mean it's just it like cost a lot of money i understand uh, the tv show side of it and i understand that people are still buying dvds i just don't know why like if you just got rid of them and you just had Blu-rays. People would start buying Blu-rays. Like it's just, <laughs> yeah. Stop fucking making DVDs. I just, I, it's just, it's such an antiquated, gross format. And like people don't care about quality, so they don't give a shit if their movie's on a DVD. All they care about is convenience. At least I don't have to rewind it. At least I, don't, at least it, you know, it's not a big hunk, honky like huge tape, you know. Well, and I guess that's the next issue. Who's buying DVDs besides you? Like every, everyone's <laughs> just getting them. Everyone's getting their shit digitally. It's like yeah, I don't think that's yeah. true though. But you got to think about because you, 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 you think of like people like people our age are getting things digitally, right? You're right. But they're like my dad. Not my dad because he buys shit digitally too. He's he's pretty woke about that shit. But uh, <laughs> wow. but like 
but like there are other people you got to think about like these grandmas who are like yeah. buying for Christmas and they'll spend twenty nine ninety nine on a DVD at, at Blockbuster or not Blockbuster but at Best Buy because they think that you know that's that's the movie that he wanted. I'll get that. But those grandmothers have never seen Titicut Follies. <laughs> and they don't. <laughs> That's what you think. Maybe they saw it when it first came out. <laughs> right. They're that old. Maybe. maybe. Yeah. That was, a, that was a really popular movie <laughs> in 1968 or whatever. Yeah. yeah. What did you give Ex Libris out of five? You give it three out of five, which is uh, tied for my lowest score for a, a Wiseman movie. Huh. Which was what? The probably, other movie, I mean. Probably Primate. I oh, think okay. it's Primate. Which it was just too difficult to to watch. Mm. Mm. Really? Yeah. Wow. All right. John, uh, watch the game for the first time. Oh, first mm. time. The first time. And yeah. I want to mention this now because I I I made a note about this, but I'll just mention it now that uh, the same cinematographer as Jerry Harris Savides. Oh wow. So. Oh. Uh, I don't see that at all. But um, <laughs> not a snack against the game, but uh. Well, the, uh, it's Fincher. All of his movies look like Fincher. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Doesn't matter who shoots them. Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> sorry, sorry. It was really good. Um, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, a spoiler? I mean, uh, yeah, because I, I it would have you seen this? John? Twenty twenty-one years old. Yeah, yeah. I, I like but it would have yeah. sucked had I known what happened. I mean, yeah, I didn't know what the fuck was happening. Oh yeah, like yeah. at all. You thought he was really getting shot at. I mean, you, I mean, there's like fucking like holes in his car. Did you think he really <laughs> shot his brother? No, at that point, okay. I, at that point, I was just kind of like, this is kind of ridiculous. Like, what's happening? Where, was that? But but it was still affecting, wasn't it? Yeah, oh yeah. The emotion yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Especially what? when he comes back and he's alive. Yeah, and he shows the shirt, and there's that nice little comedic beat. And then it's <laughs> but it's like everybody's crying. Yeah. It shit just rules. When man. he jumped <laughs> off the the building, though, I was like. Really what himself. the fuck is happening? Like I was like, okay, like, yeah, it was really confusing, but um, uh, yeah, very affecting, very good. Um, I think my only complaint really is uh, the fucking music in this is just awful. Like this, like it's like no- high octave, like piano yeah. scatting, like, <laughs> and it's like constant. It throughout reminds, the entire movie. It reminds me of Eyes Wide Shut. It's horrible. Like uh, that piano score in Eyes Wide Shut. It is awful. Dun, 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 yeah, it's just like this there's ominous not even a piano. There's not even a tempo in this. It's right. just like... <laughs> it's like free jazz. Or it's like... I Feel My Stuff, that Eno Burn song. He would know about that. I don't... No, that's like an arpeggio. This is like... This is not... This is nothing. This is... That's an arpeggio, This is like cheesy, like... Oh, this is the scary part, and oh. you know what I mean. Like it's like, yeah. So that sucked, but uh, you know, acting all around was great. Uh, I, I love Sean Penn in this. Like he's just he's like, great. especially when he comes back and he's like paranoid and shit. I like when he when he uh, starts smoking in the restaurant. He says, "You can't smoke <laughs> in, in restaurants in California." It's fuck California, <laughs> like really loud. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. Um, crazy, crazy shit. This yeah. is one of those movies that. That still works after you know the twist, or mm-hmm. after you, like when you rewatch yeah, I, it. Yeah, 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 I would love to watch and it. I again. don't. Uh, I don't know like the magic formula for how that works. A lot of movies suck. Yeah, not not suck. Cr- crummy movies that have interesting twists will yeah. suck. Yeah, but there you go. This is like the quality of the movie itself. Right. You know, that dictates I think the whether acting or not helps. Be... I mean, like Michael Douglas yeah. is pretty fucking good in this. I'd like, say it's yeah. his he's, second best performance. Like he's. Yeah, even when you know it's not real or whatever, you know what I mean? It's like he's just so manic and he's just great, like yeah. yeah. 
I like I like everybody. The only I think I think the it's not a she's not a weak link, but Deborah Kara Unger I'm not a huge fan of, but she's she's that's she's the all right waitress. Yeah, she's okay. Yeah, I, I just um, I really like yeah. I really like the Secretary of State from uh, Independence Day. Yeah, in this. What's his name? oh yeah, that guy's great. My favorite part, yeah, or well, the whole sequence where he. Uh, finds him at the zoo with yeah. his kids or oh. whatever that whole the whole sequence like when he drives him back to the yeah. CRS and yeah. they're in the cafeteria yeah. and all that that, that, sh- yeah, that, that shit is really fucking great it's, it was, yeah, it's really good it was good stuff uh, Michael Douglas this, right? Michael Douglas' first yeah, best okay, performance okay. honestly this is probably my favorite Fincher movie I didn't want to spoil it anybody wait what, uh, what Douglas' first best performance his best performance do you, do you want us to say traffic I don't, I don't know what you traffic. want right now. I don't know good I'm thinking Wall Street you're thinking no. very wrong, my friend. Oh, right. oh, that's right. Yeah, you, wa- you the watched it again. Wall Street. <laughs> this is the best I've seen him, so I don't okay. know. Like, you haven't seen Falling Down, then. That's oh, that's, yeah. Right, yeah. that's right. That's yeah. right. That's right. That's yeah. right. Fuck, Fuck you, John. This, no. This is better. This is Are better, you kidding dude. me right now? I do not. Falling Down. He, it's so good. Thank you. I, I didn't. Wait, I, didn't I, I liked it, but nah, I, did, I just wasn't. Just blow me. You're like <laughs> blowing your load on this thing. And I'm it's just a great like, fucking film. It's okay. Duvall it's is okay. amazing in it too. It's one it's of okay. his best performances. It's okay. This is better though. Like he's acting in this. When better. Duvall has a scene at the end where he talks about his his daughter dying, said she had sudden infant death syndrome, but she was two years old. She was a big girl. That's <laughs> just. That's great. Oh. It's so good. It's a little. Baby. I cannot. I cannot go toe to toe with you, like with scene for scene, because I have not seen Falling Down in over ten years. Well, you need but to I rewatch it. Fucking. This is your it. problem, John. It's, it's not. Bad. It's just like when we were in grad school, bad. and I said, I said, I said, <laughs> have you seen Rules of Attraction? Yeah, I liked it when I saw it. I don't want to rewatch it because it's going to be terrible. You're wrong. It's a great film. You need to rewatch it. <laughs> Still haven't rewatched it. You need to. It's in my top ten for you fuck's should. sake. It's, it's really good. <laughs> Top, top ten is weird, but uh, no. it's good. It's top ten <laughs> material, my friend. James James Vanderbeek rules. <laughs> no, it's it's ma- mostly the direction is incredible to me. I think the scene it's, where the cameras meet, dude. That shit mind, is good. Mind blowing. That is good. How did they do that? <laughs> they have a whole a, a special feature on the DVD about how they did it. I mean, it makes me nervous that the only people I know that love that movie besides me are the two other people at this table. No, no, I don't love it. it I don't it's love good. it either. I love it. Okay. It's a really good movie, but uh, top, like I said, top ten is weird. But I haven't watched Falling Down for a different reason. <clears throat> I haven't rewatched Falling Down because I fucking hated it. Right. Mm. And you I, I maybe watch things I hate. You maybe should check it out again. Yeah. I would definitely just give it a it shot. Again. Isn't it directed by Joel Schumacher? Joel sure Schumacher. Is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to get that on the air. Okay, Joel Schumacher. Now here's the thing about Joel Schumacher. Okay, you love no Joel Schumacher. I did when I was in high school. I loved Joel Schumacher when I was in high school. Uh, but here's the thing. didn't love the number 13, 23. 23. <laughs> no, but that's not the issue. I can look past that. Joel Schumacher is not a great director, okay? And I understand that. And even the movies I liked back then, like 8mm, is not a very good movie, okay? But Falling Down holds up. I'm sorry. And Tigerland is good. So, <laughs> I mean, Schumacher's not the worst director. And he also directed a lot of the episodes of... Uh, of House of Cards, which I haven't watched, but I hear is quite good. So uh, I don't know. Did you see yeah. uh, Flatliners? I have not seen Flatliners. Okay. I've owned it for many years, but I never uh, watched it. Is it the one where they like get addicted to killing, killing themselves, themselves for a couple yeah. seconds yeah. at a yeah, time? Yeah, yeah. They just remade it with uh, Ellen, Ellen Page, Page yeah. and Diego Luna. Oh yeah, they yeah. made it super serious. 
It was like a superhero movie or something, or it was like a like yeah. It's they like, it's they like, really upped the they, uh, made, the. they made it very. It's like, a supernatural yeah. element. They're like it. dead for yeah, hours yeah. or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or some. And then like ghosts, they can like see into the future yeah. and shit. Like yeah, it's ridiculous. yeah, something about know. ghosts. I don't know. We're way off. We're way off topic. <laughs> what, here. Were, what were we talking? <laughs> what were we talking about? Oh, the game. The game. The game, the game is good. Yeah, yeah, it's a good movie. Uh, I think I've seen every Fincher film now. Girl with the dragon tattoo. Yeah. No, I haven't seen uh Gone Girl. No, you've seen Gone Girl. You've seen Gone Girl. I have not. No. You're full of shit. You're not remembering. You've seen Gone Girl. Allison has. I have not. I have not seen you. Anything. You told me you saw Gone Girl. No, I haven't. I did not say that. No, I didn't. <laughs> mm, right. I don't want to see all it. Right. It looks horrible. But uh, <laughs> It's not great, but it's it's okay. Um, Are any of them worse than Panic Room, which I have not seen? Panic just, Room is amazing. Oh, no. oh, okay. Yes, cool. I've seen Panic Room several times. Uh, it's Panic okay. Room is one of the top, like middle top tier things. Okay. You know what I mean? It's like, it's one of those movies I just keep like every once in a while. I'm like, I need to watch panic room. But then I forget about it. What's, yeah. what's the, what's your favorite Fincher movie? John. Um, alien three. Of course. Maybe Zodiac. No. Maybe he didn't uh, direct that. That was, uh, Jean-Pierre Junet. No, that was, what's his face? Um, what's the, God damn it. Trying to make a joke. Alan Smithy? Yeah, Alan Smithy. That was Alan Smithy, guys. Come on. Dude, Alien 3 is not that bad. Alien 3 is It fine, really isn't. But, uh, I, think, I think it's Zodiac right now. I think okay. that Zodiac I could, I could is far and away his best movie. Recently watched Zodiac. It's a masterpiece. I, uh, Zodiac, yeah. for, like Zodiac, the social network is up there for me. Mm-hmm. I like Seven a lot, of course. Uh, the game rules, Panic Room rules. Everything else is kind of like... I have a rank list on my letterbox. Go check it out. Oh. <laughs> Social network. I need to rewatch that. That's good stuff. Yeah, I need to. Re- I need to rewatch a bunch of his movies. All uh, right. What'd you give uh, the game? Give it a four. All Solid right. four. Kevin. Uh, rewatched Dead Man. Just got the Criterion Blu-ray the other day. It finally mm-hmm. came in. It looks fantastic. Packaging looks killer. It looks well yeah like the uh the restoration they did is fantastic because like we uh uh let's see i watched this not too long ago when jordan was showing it for mm-hmm. the film club and we I, reviewed it on this show when yeah, it was still yeah. the baton rouge film club podcast yeah and um the uh the blu-ray that he had like everything just looked so muted and uh, that was my blu-ray blurred. Hmm? That was my Blu-ray that I lent yeah, him. Well, then shit. you'll agree. Yeah. No, it yeah. looks like shit. Yeah, it's yeah. an Echo Bridge. It's garbage. Right, but this one looks. This one looks fantastic. Uh, incidentally, Echo Bridge is the the same company that put out all the uh, terrible, all the '90s sitcoms on DVD. So yeah, they, they don't they don't spend a lot of time or effort making their stuff look good. Well, there you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've just been watching news radio for the past couple of weeks, and like you can see, you can like see all the imperfections in the film, and yeah. it's like, wow. They don't give a fuck. Nah, they really don't. But uh, but yeah, Dead Man, Dead Man is fantastic, and like it's, I still need to rewatch Mystery Train, but uh, like all of like pretty much all of Jarmusch's like earlier stuff, I really really enjoy, and like um, like we were talking earlier about uh, Woman Walks Ahead, like why can't like they make like Dead Man like way back in the day was getting a huge amount of praise for being so well researched in regards to native Americans and stuff. Mm-hmm. And like all of the native languages aren't translated cause you know, they're not meant for English speaking audiences, not meant for white ears. Exactly. That's fucking uh, awesome. <laughs> yeah. And like, uh, 
And yeah, so it's like why can't why can't they make you know stuff like that again? Well, I mean, you say that, but it's not like I mean. Uh, to be fair, we haven't seen Woman Walks Ahead. It might be like that. It, for all it could be. It's not. You never okay. know. Shut up. It's not. You know. You don't ever. You really don't know. <laughs> it's made by A twenty four. Man, it's just going to be Hostiles again. Yeah, no. A twenty four does some good stuff. Yeah, I know. I'm they just uh, they do some some uh, you know they miss they miss like a little bit sometimes, but they yeah. Hit or miss. Yeah. Well, what you uh. Would you give this this bad boy? Oh, five. Of course. All day course, long. Of course. Yeah. Did you watch the special feature where they have video of Neil Young recording the score live? Not yet. Is that it's insane? killer, yeah. I saw so, that on their website. Yeah, because like, cool. listening to the score again, like his guitar tones like are so fucking boss. It's so fantastic. The tones. Boss indeed. Yeah. Boss baby. Um, boss baby. <laughs> well, I, uh, I watched Battle of the Sexes, which... Uh, I didn't like very much. I don't have a lot to say about it. Uh, Steve Carell is okay in it. Emma Stone's actually really good in it, but um, I don't really understand what the point of the movie is. Like, I don't know if it's like supposed to be. Like, it seems like it was, like from the trailer, you would think it's some kind of like pro, uh, you know, LGBTQ thing. But like, there's really very little of that in the movie. And she falls in love with a woman, and she has to hide it. Which I didn't realize either. I thought she was openly gay. I don't know. I guess I didn't know anything about the history of this. But she has to hide her relationship with this woman who... And this woman is like... The character that she falls in love with is such a... Just like... She's obnoxious and grating. And you can't understand why anyone would fall in love with her. Uh, Yeah, she's just terrible. But um, it looked really nice. And when, it had Bill Pullman in it, so that's pretty good. When does the movie take place? 80s? 1973 oh. or something. Oh, okay. It's like about, you know, it's about the tennis match between uh, the the old guy and the young the girl. Legend. Yeah. Right. <laughs> the Battle of the Sexes. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of, a, it got some standard biopic stuff where, you know, she has to like, she has these big moments where she makes like a speech and mm. fixes something that was messed up. And I don't know. It's just, it was pretty disposable. But like I said, it looks it probably looks better than it should. Huh. Yeah. But anyways, I think I get I get a two and a half. Uh. John. All right. Um I watched another twenty seventeen movie. I actually watched it uh a few minutes before I before I came here. Ah. I watched a uh, BPM parentheses beats per minute. <laughs> Changed from the original title of hundred twenty beats per minute. I don't know why, I don't know why we we made that change, but um, so made by a guy named Robin Campio, French director, French movie, uh, follows this activist group called Act Up Paris, which was mostly HIV positive, uh, mostly gay men in Paris in the early 1990s who were trying to challenge like the French government's just lack of initiative in dealing with the AIDS epidemic and so they just mostly have meetings and have some protests and uh, that's mostly it sounds like a blast it it was uh, why is it called 120 beats per minute because your heart beats you get excited I don't know Oh, okay. I thought, it was, like, I thought it was like a techno. Me like, too. There, and there, there are a lot of. Uh, so th- this movie has like a strange balance between those uh, meetings where people are, are arguing pretty passionately for what they should do to, I don't know, to make the government do something, mm-hmm. and it bounces that with 
you know, a lot of these people going to nightclubs, still living their lives, trying to enjoy their lives because everyone has like a very heightened sense of mortality. Mm. Um, so I they're was, listening to like house and jungle music yes. to like get their heart rates up and yeah. And there's, they're still alive. doing like a, a fuck ton of ecstasy. Oh yeah. Uh, there you go. That gets your heart up to 120 beats per minute. Yeah, so the whole culture. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. But you know, those, um, I really liked a lot of the, uh, like the meeting scenes. I liked some of the, uh, like they, they go to a school, a high school, and they just start walking into classrooms and handing out like condoms and brochures and information and just like shouting information about AIDS. Like, cause at this point everyone still thinks it's just like a, a gay disease. Sure. Mm. And like some of the kids are yeah. like, I'm not going to get that fag disease. Mm. Like, uh, and you know, the teachers, administrators are trying to get them off campus and that stuff was really cool. Uh, some of the parades scenes were really cool looking. Uh, I did not love a lot of like the personal like scenes where we're like supposed to get to know the characters. They just didn't really work. Fuck the well. characters. Am I right? <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> we needed like a personal something to ground the film, I guess. But uh. I like, I liked the almost like documentary style of how they did half the movie. And I didn't like the other half very much. Is this movie not a documentary? No. Oh, I really thought it sorry. was. I'm no, sorry. It's not. Okay. My bad. Nope. I was listening to you intently like this is a documentary. Sorry, I should have said that before. Not a doc. <laughs> okay. Not a doc this at is, all. And it's a French film? Yeah. Okay. And I won't spoil the ending, but the last five minutes of this are amazing, and they look like a music video. It's like stylistically totally out of sync with everything that came before, and it does not make it a good movie, but it's a really fucking awesome last five minutes. Cool. Cool. You might so, check it out. Yeah. If you're lucky. Two out of five. I mean, this was like a really critically acclaimed movie last year. It, uh, you know, got like the de facto second place at, at Cannes. Oh, the really? Grand Prix prize. Yeah. That's, that's mostly what got, what I got it first out. place? What got the Palm Door? The Square. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Fuck it. The square. Which I did not care for. I don't think uh, I would like that either. I didn't like, uh, what about Osterlin? His other movie. I didn't like, um, what the fuck was it called? It was the fucking mountain one. Yeah. I didn't like that With one. The snow, the avalanche. <laughs> the fuck was it called? Force, Force majeure. majeure. <laughs> I always think. You know what I think of every time I say that? Nick Nolte in Cape Fear. Because he's a lawyer and he he talks about force majeure. Oh, okay. He's like, okay. in the law, there's a thing called force majeure. <laughs> 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 it means anything goes. <laughs> I thought wow. force majeure was better. It was a lot better than the square. Okay. I know so, the square is like scares me just because of how long it is and like it looks like it's all over the place. I don't understand why that girl from Mad Men is in it. I, it's just, like everything about it just freaks me out. I don't want to see it at all. <laughs> There's context for the Mad Men girl. Yeah, I don't know if it's it's worth anything, but it just feels like it feels a little bit like uh, like his first movie was nothing but French actors or European actors. This movie had he has to go American on his second film, you know, or his or his next film. You know, it's like it's like the. She's you, really the only American. I know, but even still, it's like it's like, Lan- like like Lanthimos. How he he's you know using Colin Farrell now uh, all the time. Yeah, that's because he's just got to have English speaking actors now. Stop. Which is I I like the Lobster yeah. and I really like Killing of a Sacred Deer, but it's just like it's just weird how they go like don't, to go commercial. You have to go English. You know. Yeah. And again, um, I can't remember that actress's name. Elizabeth like, Moss. Yeah, Elizabeth Moss. She's like part uh, of the foreign. She's like foreign press for this mm-hmm. event, this art event. 
She's the only English speaker oh, in okay. the film. Well, that's good, I guess. And she's not in it very much. Uh, she's in the also, trailer a lot. <laughs> also, don't see that movie. I won't, I won't. It's not. It's not I heard that. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Well, not if I'm wrong because I have no opinion. But I heard that the the dinner scene with the monkey guy is quite good. Is this not true? <laughs> I did not find it quite good. Okay. And you have to sit through a lot of that long movie to get there. Okay. So I think by the time you get there, you might be like, I, I waited for this. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> Apparently, that guy. There, there who are does... things that are interesting about that scene. Yeah. But apparently, the guy who does that is the. Uh, motion capture guy for like the, all the planet of the apes movies and the um, King Kong movie. So I, I heard Andy circus. I thought it was too, but I, I heard, <laughs> I heard it was this guy. I don't know. Cool. Oh, who knows? Or I were, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't <laughs> know. I heard this is all third, fourth hand information. So oh. forget I said anything. Let's move on to Andy circus. <laughs> yeah. This, uh, this movie was a beats BPM parentheses beats per minute was a three out of five. Nice killer. John, I'm out. I just have Kevin Cherry. Love. Uh, <laughs> earlier, I rewatched Doctor Strange Love, and fucking Peter Sellers is amazing. <laughs> like the way the way he goes between you know these three different accents, three different mannerisms, you know, three completely different characters. He's he's hilarious, and like everybody in this movie is like Sterling Hayden, like. Like, just the death that you can see in his eyes when he's talking about his precious bodily fluids. And, <laughs> and like, uh, George C. Scott just just cramming gum into his mouth the entire time. George C. Scott was the, uh, when I rewatched this uh, last year or the year before, he was, like, I was really surprised at how funny George C. Scott was. Oh, yeah. Very funny like, in this. I mean, Mr. President, he'll he'll see everything. He'll see the big board. That is precisely the point, General. (laughs) Like when he trips backwards and does the somersault. Yeah. Like just keeps going with his dice. It's it's very amusing. It's fantastic. And like, yeah, like his his facial expressions, like, yeah, it's just, it's just such a great movie. Um, I I still need to rewatch Spartacus, but I will have a ranked Oh. list of Kubrick probably for next next recording well nice that's really good and this is a uh, five out of five for oh five you? yeah it's it's easily my favorite uh, Kubrick movie oh wow okay great uh, I uh, I rewatched Austin Powers which I won't talk about but I gave it a three um, it's you know it's one of these movies it's like not as funny now that you when you rewatch it the more times you rewatch it the less funny it gets yeah. because you just know every yeah. single thing that's about to happen <laughs> And then last night I went to um we were spending the weekend at my mom's house in Zachary and we were talking at the dinner table uh, I was talking to my sister who's the only person in my in in that side of the family who still goes to church and uh she's been going to like a Methodist church or a Baptist I think it's Methodist Methodist church in Zachary and I was like uh and we somehow we got on the on the topic of the prophet Elijah <laughs> don't ask me how I don't remember but she was, I was like, you know about that. You go to church, right? And she was like, I don't know anything about Elijah. It's like, we got to watch the Elijah animated short film. You remember this? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we used to, when, we, when Jonathan and I were in church together when we were kids, we used to watch these animated short films about different biblical uh, heroes. And one of them was about Elijah. And it was quite good. And it still is. <laughs> Isn't it pretty violent? 
it's violent for a children's animated thing yeah i mean it's it's really it's not for kids at all it's outside of the fact that it's animated it's really pretty fucking heavy yeah. uh. but um yeah watch rewatch that it's like 30 minutes long and it's just the story of elijah uh you know taking on the the government of israel who worships baal the evil uh fake god is that factually true i don't yeah 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 <laughs> don't remember that the fake god worshiper they worship the ball. They uh, <laughs> Jezebel and uh, King. Uh, what's the king's name? You don't know this. I just watched this. <laughs> Not <laughs> I Nebuchadnezzar. No, I have no idea. Ahab. That's Ahab and Jezebel. In the Matrix. <laughs> uh, Ahab and Jezebel have dedicated the kingdom of Israel to Baal. Uh, they have four hundred and fifty priests. Oh, that's right. And Elijah is the only God fearing priest oh, left God. who worships the Lord God, the true God of Israel. And then he like gets all of the priests to show up, and they do a competition to who can make their God answer with fire from heaven to light the sacrifice. And God, his God answers, uh, Baal doesn't answer because Baal's not real, obviously in this, in this world. And, um, the God of the Israelites uh, answers (laughs) and lights the thing on fire. And then immediately Elijah's like, uh, what do you say? He says, he goes, uh, seize all the, the priests of Baal. Let not one of them escape you. Let them be slain. And they kill all of them. (laughs) Why, why not convert them? Why you gotta kill I know, everyone? right? They fuck, yeah. they like they they like take a they, wrong let's see, the guy takes a rock and like throws it into a guy's head. And they throw one guy over a cliff. Old, it's really fucked. Old Testament is just fucked. Yeah, up. yeah, <laughs> man. It's <laughs> all violence all the now, time. Now, uh, okay. To be clear, not a fan of of religion anymore. Not a fan of the Old Testament. Uh, but this as a film. I, I think this is really works actually because I mean, they, it has mythical material. It's, it really it's, is. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty crazy. But yeah. beyond that, it's like they 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 turn it into opera at some parts. So oh, like wow. he, like he like he'll he the character of Elijah sings the uh, certain passages passages uh, from the Bible. Like when he goes to warn Ahab, I remember that he goes to warn Ahab about the drought and he literally sings the verse from the Bible and like in opera, it's like oh no, it's just, <laughs> and it's fucking good. And they use a lot of like operetta uh, music and stuff. It's just really, it's, it's very well done. And uh, if it was on letterbox, which it isn't, and that's fine. Cause it was a TV show. Technically I would give it five, but so who, who produced this? Uh, I I, I want to uh, <laughs> well, Hannah Barbera. No, I, I want to say it wasn't born yet. As far as I know, it's the Old Testament. From what I understood, it was on HBO back in the day, but I don't okay. know that that's true. It's oh, it's wow. a show called Testament, uh, the uh, the Bible animated. So and it was like a different different animation studio for each one. Okay. So this one is uh, like regular two D animation. There was uh, the one on uh, Ruth or Esther was uh, claymation or stop motion animation. And uh, there's just a lot of different like, and they they had the Adam and Eve one was like weird, like like oil paintings that would yeah. like fade in from one another. It was like out. really strange, but hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. It's a pretty cool series. I mean, it's really cool if you're a Christian kid and you want to watch something that's biblical. But now it's just cool from a filmmaking standpoint to me. Like I don't, I used to really get off on it. Like I used to be like, this is fu- Elijah's so fucking cool. And- Oh, he's such a good godly man, and you know, like, it's so awesome when he rides the fiery chariot into the heavens at the end. But uh, now it's just kind of like the non-believers. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. That's what they were teaching you guys, in right. Christian school. And I guess yeah. you're yeah. you're out now, right? Huh? Are you out, or you got something more? Oh yeah, I'm out. You're out. You got more stuff, right? I'll just I'll just do one more. Well, I got I have two more. Okay, then I'll do two more. <laughs> well, okay, yeah, do yours. Go ahead. You're good. Are you sure? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Your eyes don't say you're sure. Okay. 
<laughs> okay, um, I firmly believe that it is my duty to bring to this podcast uh, something old that you'll never watch every time I come Okay, here. let me just stop you right there. Uh, having listened to last week's episode, I want to object to how I was uh, characterized as not w- love, not liking any movie before pre- 1960. Yeah, that's not true. It's I've pretty. seen lots of movies before 1960. I've liked a lot of movies before 1960. Nope. I don't spend a lot of my time watching them because there's a lot of shit I haven't seen. I'm not John Ryan. I don't watch 17 movies a week. I watch, you know, one, two movies a week maybe, and I got a lot of shit to watch that's recent. So I don't have time to go back and, like, you know, watch a fucking, you know, G.W. Pabst film from 1919 or whatever. But uh, I would like to. I just don't have the time. I'm not against it. There are certain elements of those films that I don't like. Like, I certainly would not watch a, you know, fucking... I don't even. I'm trying to think of an example, like like a, like a shitty like a shitty popcorn movie from like okay like like Oklahoma or something. I'm not interested in seeing these movies. You sh- you should not see. Yeah, Oklahoma. I'm not interested in seeing that. Or like uh, how green was my valley? I know it's supposed to be really good. I'm not interested in seeing that. I'm just like it's really good. I know there are certain certain <laughs> movies that are interesting though to me. I like I watch Public Enemy. I don't like Public Enemy. I didn't think it was good. I thought it was pretty terrible. Now, to be fair, I was a little younger when I saw it. I was probably expecting something that I didn't quite get. But there are other movies from back then that I really like. Like, like for instance, when you guys talked last week, Sunset Boulevard is a great film. I love it. I've liked it for a very long time. Speaking of which, that's actually coming to theaters in not too long. Yeah, it's like May 3rd or something. Um, You're going to have to get tickets for that. I, I, I like, I, I'm just saying, you know, there are movies from back then, obviously, yeah, I don't like. but And a lot of it has to do with the acting. Yes, the performances. And yes... Brando is a zeitgeist moment in cinema. I'm sorry. Like, yeah, of course. Like, when you watch uh, fucking uh, Streetcar, I don't think Streetcar is a great movie. Brando's great in it, though. He's fucking phenomenal in it. Uh, Vivian Lee is terrible in it. Like, she's awful. She's mostly bad. Yeah. yeah. And I, I understand from a perspective, like, like, we watched it for that cinema class that we took in college. I understand that, like, that's a thing it was that jarring. maybe they were trying to accomplish some together. kind of like, you know, old style versus new style yeah. thing. I'm not sure that they were aware of that, but if they were, that's <laughs> cool. But it's like on the waterfront fucking rules, you know, <laughs> like it's a great film. I disagree. You're fucking wrong. Are you serious? <laughs> you don't like on the waterfront? I do love on the waterfront. On the uh, waterfront is great. Well, Get ready for the next whatever. deep dive, motherfucker. Okay, we'll just, <laughs> I've never seen it. We'll I'd just, like to see it. Night of the I Hunter? Publicly, it was all right. You don't like Night of the Hunter? No. Jesus Christ! See, almost. It, was, it wasn't oh, just talking to you, me, John. I was him. talking to it's everyone. It's <laughs> talking to everyone here. Everyone at the oh table is God. guilty. And besides, John, like you weren't here. We had to attack your character because you weren't here to defend that is yourself. True. I'm not super mad about it. I'm just saying. Like, I just, I just want to yeah, set the record straight that I'm not. You sound I, super mad. About I know. <laughs> I'm not that guy. And though. I will publicly apologize <laughs> for tarnishing your bona fides. Hey, you know what? We talked. We the first time we talked about movies. You talked about Louis Bunuel. Okay, but the second time we talked about movies... She's classic. The yeah. second time we talked... And I've watched a lot of Louis Benoit films that were from before 1960, and they yeah. were very good. But the second time we talked, you, you we were talking about Westerns, and you told me to watch Silverload, and I did. You did. I, I watched it right away. It. I didn't like it at all. But, yeah. it was, but you know, it's whatever. It's, I, I gave it a shot. <laughs> yeah. You did. So, Sorry. Any- Continuing on. <laughs> anyway. Jesus. Um, 
Making me yawn over here. <laughs> I can't stop yawning. I'm sorry. I apologize. Yeah, so I watched uh, this movie called The Good Fairy, which is a uh, romantic comedy from 1935, directed by William Wyler, who was a, uh, you know, probably most known for Ben Hur. Have you uh, seen Ben Hur? I have. Yeah, yeah. Okay. that's a, that's a big deal. Yeah, it was big. It, we saw it. Yeah, <laughs> when we were Christian kids, had to watch it. That yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, uh, I'm not. I'm not a big fan of Ben Hur, but I like the scene with Jesus though, where they show him only from behind. And he like looks at the Roman soldier, and the Roman soldier tries to like chastise him. And when he sees his face, he like backs away. That's the kind of shit that you get into when you're a young Christian kid. You're like, how badass is that? That Jesus <laughs> just stared this motherfucker down. It's so fucking cool. Yeah. And you would say it with all the f bombs and everything, and you would wouldn't realize that that wasn't okay. No. No. Like your parents weren't into cursing. No, well, my parents hit. My parents were not into parents cursing. Into cursing. Well, you wouldn't say that to your parents. You'd just I say, you'd like say it to sailor, your friends. Though. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> all right all right sorry so, yeah, uh this is early william wyler again 1935 um this is about this orphan played by margaret sullivan who is chosen like at random basically by this guy that owns a movie theater to uh come work for him as an usherette basically just directing people with uh the stick about which way to go into the movie theater and uh you know two guys end up uh seeing her not really getting to know her, but deciding that they need to get in that girl's pants. Mm, like uh, you do. To avoid the situation without just saying no, because she won't really just say no, because li- she likes, you know, the gifts and materials that she is receiving from these men. Um, she makes up a lie. She pulls out a phone book and says, she flips to the lawyer section and says, I'm married to this man. And uh, <laughs> the two guys go confront that third man. And then uh, after that point, three men are trying to get into Margaret Sullivan's pants. And, what? How uh, do they? I don't understand. They confront the guy. Yeah. How dare you be married to this girl? No, we want her. It's not even like that. <laughs> uh, the rich guy that the one there's there's a rich guy uh, courting her, and then uh, this other guy that's a waiter who's trying to uh, he's also giving her gifts, but he's going like kind of above his means. So the rich guy of the pair goes and confronts the guy, and he's like, "I'm going to give you things." To give to your wife because I want her to be happy. Okay. It's really, it's weird. It doesn't make any sense. That is weird. doesn't make wow. any sense. This guy's but, just like uh, the nicest guy on earth. He's just like, I just really want her to be happy. You know, he just really wanted to fuck her. But how's he going to fuck her by letting her husband give her There's, presents? I, I mean, you know. I think I think he's just he yeah. can't even think at this point. He's just <laughs> he's I'll, I'll do all of his blood has gone to, to his dick. Her. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> even if it makes no sense. Yeah, this is getting like real indecent proposal right now. <laughs> it's yeah, but I mean, again, this guy's not. He has no idea who the fuck Margaret Sullivan is. He's not. He's like, right, what the right. fuck are you talking about? What are you? You're basically, like, why are you in my house talking to me about my wife? I'm not married. Um, <laughs> But he meets Margaret Sullivan, and of course, he decides he has to fuck her. So they're all trying to fuck her. She's just manipulating all of them. She's taking their gifts. She won't say no to anyone. She won't say yes to anyone. She's just, she's like a straight psycho train wreck. Do you believe huh. this? Like in this in this world, is she somebody who you'd be like, yes, I could see these three guys just tripping over themselves to she's fuck this girl? really attractive. Okay. But I don't, this is, uh, this level has like a, amount of sexuality and sexualization that is more blatant than your average 30s comedy and there's you know there's all kinds of sexual innuendo 
right. throughout the 30s. And this it's is pre, like after, this yeah. is after code. Oh, it's after code. Hayes code was 34. Okay. Huh. Um, so like it has all like these code things where like the, the ending is predictable. You know, based on these the personalities of these men, like which one she'll end up with. So that's predictable. But it's fun getting there because like it, this shit's just like so twisted for 90 minutes. And you as the audience know she shouldn't end up with any of them because she's really fucked up and unstable. <laughs> and these guys have no interest in her at all besides just being like a piece of ass. It's it's weird in a way that most yeah. 1930s comedies are not. Hmm. Hmm. And uh to me that was really enjoyable. It's like a super t- <laughs> it's like a super tight script, very few wasted lines. It is like funny throughout um and the William I guess the only knock against it is uh I don't know. I think William Wyler probably rushed through it. I, like he wasn't yet like a a very visual director like he would be later uh. um and maybe that's just because it's an old, like a comedy they're just they're shitting these out you know yeah, yeah. i think he made three movies in 1935 <laughs> um, yeah jesus yeah woody allen over here yeah he, he i mean a lot of those classic directors they're work for hire they're sure. just yeah paid to get this done well as they're contracted as to the studios right yeah. i mean yeah so they're, yeah, yeah. you're gonna make these movies here's the script make it and there were there were very fussy directors um that were like known for not getting things done on schedule william wyler at least at this point was not one of them mm. he he got he got his shit done so it's it's not visually very interesting and it didn't help that i was watching like a shitty youtube print but uh rating this, this movie is a four and a half it's nice. uh it was a blast. This is like a weird fucking blast. Cool. The Good Fairy? The Good Fairy. Okay. I uh, watched uh, You Were Never Really Here, directed by Lynn Ramsey, uh, oh, which is mm. far and away the best Lynn Ramsey film I've ever seen. Um, Did you not, see that here? Was that in I, town? I downloaded it oh, okay. <gasps> nefariously, <laughs> uh, which I encourage everyone to do. It's very cool. good. Um, Sweet. <laughs> it uh, stars Joaquin Phoenix as a um, kind of for hire. He's not a hitman. He's like a guy who goes and rescues sex trafficked teenagers for a living. He doesn't uh, get paid very much. It's kind of weird. Uh, but uh, he's you get these flashes where you realize that he was um, he's a veteran of some sort. So, you know, he's probably like used to killing people and he just has no trouble with it anymore he's desensitized he's extremely damaged like it's I, I it's referred to as by critics as like like it's like like taxi driver and is a lot like taxi driver mm, yeah except i'd say he's like he's kind of more damaged than taxi driver than travis bickle is like he's really fucked up and um not to take any way thing away from travis bickle because he's really fucked up too but uh <laughs> But anyway, uh, yeah, he goes on this uh, mission to rescue this girl, and chaos ensues, and it's very violent and very extremely well directed. Uh, I, I'm not the biggest Lynn Ramsey fan. I I didn't like Ratcatcher at all, and I I I liked. Uh, we need to talk about Kevin, but I didn't love it. I love this movie. This movie is great. This movie has these just i don't know it's just these beautiful like super close-ups of things where you don't even know what you're looking at 
and then all of a sudden like hands start coming in and doing stuff you're like oh that's what's going he's tying his shoes or whatever you know it's just like it's just really cool i don't know it's 89 minutes so you gotta <laughs> love that <laughs> and it's honestly it's got six minutes of credit so it's really like 83 minutes it's just a beautiful Ooh, nice. brisk quick quick movie and there's a scene i'm not going to spoil anything because i'm sure that uh all of you are interested in seeing this, but there is a scene where he infiltrates a uh, a sex ring in this apartment building, and the whole th- all the action of him killing everybody is shot through security cameras, and so you just see the security footage, and it's like changing automatically, and so it'll just change, and all of a sudden he'll be like about to hit somebody, and it changes to the next view, and it's like a different hallway, and it changes back to that view, and there's like a bloody bot. It's just fuck. It's so fucking. It's just ingenious how they would do that. It's nice. really, really smart. And um, yeah, Joaquin Phoenix is incredible in it. Uh, definitely deserved the best actor can win. Um, so yeah, I highly, highly recommend it. Not that you know that means anything. Obviously, everybody's interested in seeing it. I'm pretty sure, but <laughs> it's uh, it's very it's it's lives up to the hype. It's very sweet. Good. Cool. Can't wait to see it. John, oh, I gave it a five out of five. So I'll do uh, just do one more, and I'll go through it really quickly. I um, I watched this uh, documentary on Mubi called Henry Georges Clouseau's Inferno. Uh, Henry Georges Clouseau is a uh, classic French director. Who, Wages uh, of Fear. Yes, Wages of Fear, and Le, Diab- Le Diab- Diabolique. Diabolique. Diabol- yeah. Diabolique. Have you guys seen that? No. Diabolique. I started. Diabolique, but I couldn't. I just couldn't get through <laughs> just it. Couldn't do it. You gave up. I also it's did. Like, I also didn't like Wages of Fear. I'm the one. I'm the one who doesn't like classic cinema, right? <laughs> one of the all-time greatest, and you know, we'll we'll call it influential twists at the end of a movie there. Um, and Wages, Wages didn't like Wages of Fear. What the? F- I had a, <laughs> what the fuck? Dude, he's I got a sorcerer poster on his wall. <laughs> yeah. he doesn't like Wages of Fear though. <laughs> Because I had already seen Sorcerer, like too many things are just not good about Wages of Fear. I'm sorry. Now, to be fair, I haven't seen Wages of Fear. <laughs> I've owned it for about four years. <laughs> I've not watched it yet. The biggest cliche at this point. I know. It's sitting right next to Solaris. I own it. <laughs> this, he hasn't seen Solaris. I haven't. I, I, gave, I gave him this movie for his birthday. It's like seven like, years oh, ago. No, it was like eight no. years ago. Is it because <laughs> Solaris is three hours and Wages of Fear is two and a half? That's part of it. Is I mean, it's just a matter of, yeah. of finding time. Yeah. Though. And I, honestly, those movies, especially Solaris, I hold I hold in like sort of a high regard. So I don't. I'm like loath to watch them in pieces, like I would anything else. Really, yeah. uh, I don't want to. I feel. I feel like I owe it to Tarkovsky to watch it in one sitting, <laughs> which is kind of stupid. But I. I don't know. It's just like this tick that I have. Uh, I mean, I think that's fair. I try to watch in one sitting. Yeah. Whenever possible. Sure. Yeah. Um, with me, it's like OCD though. It's like, I don't like, I won't watch Solaris because I'll be like, I'm not going to be able to watch it in one sitting. I'm not going to watch it. And so that's stopping me from watching it. Yeah. (laughs) And it's not like I haven't watched other three hour movies since then, but it's also like a mood thing. You gotta be in the mood to watch something. I'm not like, you know, I'm not constantly in the mood to watch a Tarkovsky film. Just like constantly in the mood for weird Bible animated shorts. Exactly. Well, that's 30, 30 (laughs) minutes, man. You know, I can watch anything that's 30 minutes. Um, but yeah, so this is a documentary about uh, Clouseau's like notorious uh, failure to create uh, the, or direct this movie called Inferno, um, which was uh, 
I can't remember if he wrote the story, but it's uh, basically about this husband and wife who go on vacation to like this, you know, beautiful lake resort. And uh, this guy is just super jealous and constantly suspicious that his wife is cheating on him. And uh, what Clouseau wanted to do for the movie is film it in black and white. But every time the husband goes into like one of these fits of jealousy, like uh, employ like these crazy effects to like basically show a mental fit and then have uh and then like have the film in really ridiculous color for a while and so uh, the documentary is divided into two halves and the first half is all about the casting of the movie and the camera tests he did because there's 13 hours of footage like that he shot and a lot of it is just him playing with effects and color and it's really awesome just like all this shit they show you like from his test is just really cool looking and I have no idea if it would have made a good movie but it looks cool and it's all just like weird cutting and editing effects and weird mm-hmm. in camera stuff that he's doing uh, a lot of just like psychedelic looking things he was like rubbing weird oils and putting blue lipstick on his actors to just like make everything look strange and it looks strange Again, I don't know if this would have worked as like a like a movie in but. the color scenes, putting blue yes. lipstick on. Yeah. Okay, because I remember uh, watching a, a documentary or like a special feature on the uh, Schindler's List uh, D- Blu-ray, and they said that they that his suit, the the nice like the big shouldered suit that he wears, is actually like lime green because <laughs> they said it wouldn't show up right on the black and white film unless it was that color. Yeah, so I don't I know. know that, but yeah, so neither here nor there, but. <laughs> Yeah, all all the color shit is insane. There's a lot of like weird reflection fade stuff that he does with the black and white. It's all very cool. Um, while they're showing this, they have a few like talking heads that are kind of talking about the tests and um, like how much time he was spending on them. He he was given basically like a blank check by some guy that just wanted him to make or some group that wanted him to make a movie. It was more money than he'd ever had. It was more money than like anyone would get at the time it was it was 1964 mm. uh so you know wages of fear is now 11 years behind him i think that's 53 53 or 54 something like that um and then uh in the second half of the documentary it's about like actually filming with his actors uh going through like the story and he's like filming at this lake they're about they're gonna drain the lake in a few weeks so he's like pressed for time uh he has hired three camera crews so that they each one can be like prepping shots and he can basically just go direct with one immediately go direct a shot with another uh but then he just kind of like they won't say this but he like loses his mind or something they don't Uh. they don't explain what really goes wrong with Clouseau except that he starts yelling at his actors he starts just like constantly refilming scenes with dialogue um he's like taking weeks for scenes uh it's like at one point it was like they're three days away from draining the lake and he didn't have what he want but he just like would not move faster he wouldn't let his camera crews prep the shots without him there so like there's no point in having the three camera crews it just it none of it made any sense and they don't like no one really offers an opinion on like what happened to him but he did only make one more movie a few years later. And 
it's not a good movie so i, I don't know i don't really know what happened to him but um what year is he trying to make inferno 64 hmm. his next movie came out in 68 and i bad I acid trip it, maybe you know who knows like but uh trying to enhance the color in his mind maybe it, it is interesting s- seeing all this information seeing all these like we have all this footage of like the story that doesn't have dialogue so there's no sound for a few scenes they have a couple actors like reproduce the dialogue of a scene so just so we know what's going on uh, in that scene but uh no one will offer an opinion on what happened to him like the talking heads are people that worked on the movie with him mm. but like they won't really say mm. what happened uh, even in the, the letterbox uh like synopsis of this is like a qualitative review that, that <laughs> calls the film frustrating for not <laughs> revealing what what happened but well i don't uh everything that we see on screen is interesting enough that i'm not even sure it matters uh hmm. i basically i'm gonna give this movie a four and a half just for like the cool shit you see and honestly yeah this movie was probably like over ambitious with what he wanted visually and it probably wouldn't have even been good but the the footage that exists is really cool i recommend it just for that well, nice. uh, that sounds really great. I said I would go through that quickly, and I did not. No, you so. took a long time with that one. <laughs> My uh, bad. My bad, guys. Yeah, I'll try to be quick with this. Um, I, I rewatched Last Days uh, for the first time in probably 10 years. And uh, this is Gus Van Sant's last film in the Death Trilogy, which includes Jerry and Elephant mm-hmm. and yep. Last Days. It stars Michael Pitt as a Kurt Cobain uh, approximation. <laughs> Uh, named Blake, uh, who is uh, kind of like a mumbling uh, wanderer, constantly high to, on to some <laughs> some unknown uh, drug that you never see him take. Long scenes of him uh, making cereal and smoking cigarettes and uh, making, making mac macaroni and cheese, cheese for like th- th- like two minutes. Yeah, he didn't and boil the noodles. He, did, he like boils them for about thirty seconds. It's pretty <laughs> disgusting. And is he this... puts and he puts about three cups of milk in the bowl. But... <laughs> Do do we know if this was well researched? Is this what Kurt Cobain was eating, dude? Who uh, knows? I, I get the feeling that like Gus Van Sant seems like he's kind of in that community because he's yeah. from the Pacific Northwest and he's friends with all those people, so he probably has some kind of personal you know uh, bias towards the whole thing. So I'm sure he's like trying to do it in a respectful enough way. I think that a part of that is just not calling him Kurt Cobain, you know, calling yeah. him Blake and giving him you know distance from that and not showing him blow his head off and things like that, you know, but, um, the, the it's just, uh, I would say it's very unsuccessful at what it's trying to do. And I hate to say that because I, I really did like this movie a lot when I, and when I was younger, but um, you know, it's just one of those things where you watch something later and it becomes uh, you see it's the seams and you and it's astonishing mm-hmm. to me, yeah. How and you can I don't know if you want to vouch for this or not, but how pretentious this movie is, yeah. Uh, it really is, especially when like he, anytime like they like when he's jamming in the room by himself mm-hmm. and it's like so long, yeah. And he's like, it's just like and it's his music. It's Michael yeah. Pitt's written music that he wrote, and it feels very like self promotional because right after this movie is released, he starts a band and re records all the music from the film as his band. Like I did like the scene where he does the acoustic song. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 didn't, I didn't even like the scene. I like the song. Yeah, like, the, the song. The good. songs are but good. Like, I don't have a problem with the songs like, themselves. It just it feels weird. The whole yeah. movie is just really off. 
I don't know. Yeah. I'd also it feels like a disservice almost. I, yeah. I hate to say that. Well, I, I think it's I think <laughs> it feels it's, exploitative. I, don't I think know. it's weighed down by the fact that it is a Cobain, yeah, uh, you know, facsimile, and you're supposed to like you're thinking about Cobain a lot during it, which is unnecessary because it doesn't really matter that he's that he's supposed to be Cobain. He could just easily be like any uh, person who's you know shot to success and is you know uh, losing his mind over it or whatever, mm-hmm. but. That's not honestly that part of it that doesn't bother me as much as like and I think you mentioned this just the acting overall is really terrible in it. Uh, Kim Gordon is the worst actor. Kim Gordon ever. is she's not the worst. <laughs> she's pretty bad. The, uh, the the salesman guy. The salesman guy. The the phone book guy, and then the two Jehovah's Witnesses guy or the uh, or the Mormons. They're the worst. Like, None of those people are actors. I know, but way. they're terrible, and they're terrible yeah. at acting like they're not acting. Like they're, they're yeah. being themselves. <laughs> it's extreme. It's extreme. Like they're trying to interact with Michael Pitt and 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 the other people in his house, and the other people in his house are terrible too. Like yeah. yeah. Asia Argento and Lucas Haas and whoever the yeah. guy who plays Scott is, they're all terrible. I don't like, and yeah. I, I like Lucas Haas and a lot of stuff, but like he's not good in this. I used to love the scene where he's like, one of the dudes is singing to uh Venus and furs. Yeah. And I'm just like watching that. He does like, miss the word at that yeah, one point. Like, it's like really embarrassing. I'm, I'm like, like oh, how do you like just, practice the song before you shoot the scene? You stupid fuck. Like, several <laughs> times I'm watching. I'm just like, what am I watching? I don't know. Like, and it's so, really long too. It's like, it's like you watch the guy for like two and a half minutes singing Venus and furs to the record. And he's not like he's mouthing it. He's like, he's audible on the track singing it. It's like, what are we watching? Why yeah, am I watching yeah, this? It's so he, when he messes up, it's not on purpose. No, he's just like, it's just like when you're singing a song, you don't really know what lyrics coming next. Be like, Oh, and he tries to like sing it and he fucks up the word. It's just, it's just embarrassing, and it takes you right out of the movie. You're just like, you're like, because now you're watching to see is this guy gonna get the words right? And you're watching, you know, you're paying yeah. attention to that now. And I don't know, I, that kind of shit, and like all this stuff, just like, like normally I'm really into this kind of thing, like watching a character fall apart over a period of time and like wander around aimlessly and no no story, no plot really. That's fine, but man, like the scene where that where that uh, phone book guy comes in. I was so incredibly bored yeah. during that entire scene. I was like, get this fucking guy out of here. I, uh, I'm not interested in anything going on right it's now. It's upsetting, too, because it opens and like he's just walking through the woods and yeah, shit. Yeah, that's and, cool. Like, yeah, I'm like, oh, I'm into that. And I love the scenes where I love the scene where he goes to the the uh, the house show or whatever and mm-hmm. Harmony Korean shows up and starts talking to him. I'm like, I love all that shit. Where Best he's just, acting he's just, in the movie. Yeah, Harmony Korean. He's amazing. He's trying to like sell him uh, some kind of drug or something. He's like, I got this thing, man. You could take it. He's 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 really good in it. Like everybody else is. Terrible. But I like I like yeah, watching him walk around is fine. But like, there's so much, there's so many other characters that are just, it's weird. I don't I'm know. also not a I don't big know fan. What of, the point of the movie? I is. think I think when I was when I was you know 20 and saw this for the first time, I was a big fan of like the kind of inexplicable actions that he takes, like where he's, I'm gonna put on a dress, I'm gonna get a gun out, I'm gonna point it at people. Like it seemed really like cool and avant garde to me or something. To music videos, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's like now I watch it, I'm just like I don't like. I need I need just like a smidgen of context as to why this is happening. Like I'm supposed to just assume this guy is on drugs because you never see him take drugs, which yeah. is fine because again, respectful, I guess. But it's like, I mean, <laughs> there has to be something propelling something forward. You know what I mean? Like even like. In a movie, like in a Linklater movie where there is no plot and no conflict, at least there are characters saying funny things or doing interesting stuff. Like, this guy's not doing it. He's just mumbling to himself. And there's weird sound design 
which is kind of cool, but at the same I'm into time, that. yeah, I, really I, I like that. the sound design, but it's like it, I like it's just wasted in this movie because I don't care about what's happening in the movie. And I, I will give it to him though, the. Uh, the end is pretty good. It's re- actually really great. Where he's like, where he climbs yeah, out of his body. Yeah. That shit rules. That rules. <laughs> that shit rules. I like the uh, I like the music in the movie, although it's like I say, it's self promotional. But I do like this. I mean, I like his band Pagoda. It's decent. But um, and I really like the way it looks. I think it's beautiful. It's also shot by Harris Savides. It's just uh, a great, great looking movie. And you know, some of the shots are incredible. Uh, did uh, you know, did he know. shoot elephant also? Yeah. And yeah. Zodiac. Mm. So uh, and then he died, but um, damn, it's unfortunate. Uh, yeah, but he was one of the he was one of the great 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 cinematographers, I think, and uh, just passed away unfortunately, brain cancer. Better than Roger Deakins? As as good as Roger Deakins? Okay. I don't I don't know, if, I don't know better or whatever, but Roger Deakins well, has a lot a, more to judge by. That was a joke. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I uh, I don't know, but last it's not like John last, just no sells my jokes. It's not like <laughs> it's not like last days is a total like train wreck catastrophe. It's just not like compared to Jerry and Elephant. It's like not close to those spoilers, in my opinion. <laughs> well, I mean, they're all three based on true events. Jerry is like, in my top ten of all time, so you can imagine what I'm going to say about it. All three uh, are based on true events, but it's like the other two. I mean, like not Columbine's not subtle at all, but it's like. I don't know. Kurt Cobain is just too big. I don't know. It's it's weird. I'm interested to re- I'm interested to rewatch weird. Elephant because it's such a high profile event. Yeah. Whereas like the Jerry thing is based on a true story, but it's like, it's like such a yeah. small nothing story that nobody knows about. Yeah. Whereas like yeah, Columbine and Kurt Cobain are pretty huge moments in cultural history. Yeah. It's like yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, it's very distracting in this movie. And the idea like Michael Pitt, his performance is very showy and weird on purpose and i like i I don't have a problem with michael pitt like i like uh you know he's good in boardwalk empire uh i liked him in that uh bertolucci movie what's it called where he's naked the the whole time yeah the dreamers it's Uh, good that's good movie he's good in that um but i don't know yeah it's just it's like they told it's like they just gave him free reign and were just like just create this character in your head and then do him and we're not, I don't even want to talk to you before you There's do like it. There's like parts do it. that are good, but I, I'm glad you have the words to describe this movie. But it's just like, I, I seriously, like, like part of me loves it, but it's like stupid at the same time. And like the scene, there's so many disposable <laughs> scenes in it too, like where he walks into his daughter's room and there's kittens on the floor and he just picks up one of yeah. the kittens. It's like, why are we watching him play with kittens? I understand why he's in his daughter's room because that's important to the whatever like story there is. But just such a like boring just like oh, this will be interesting we'll show him playing around with kittens it's, it feels like they're just like Mike, michael just go into this room and do something and we'll film it you know and that's really ricky jay is like, in yeah. this i love ricky jay and he plays a private investigator but again just so lazy like ricky just talk about something with the other character in the car and what does he talk about you know what he talks about i've not seen this no history of magic of course, it's Ricky Jay. That's all he knows about. Mm-hmm. He just talks. He literally tells like a fifteen-minute story about a magician from the eighteen hundreds, which is not relevant at all. But yeah, it's interesting, but not yep. in this movie because it has happens. nothing to do with anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just such a lazy. Like we don't want to write dialogue for this guy, so we'll just you know Ricky. I mean, there, Ricky's an yeah, interesting guy. We'll just let him talk about something. There is no way there's a script for this film. Like there's no. there's no uh, way. Yeah. It's like I I don't I can't. It's like I can't guess based on what you're saying what you'll rate this movie, but man, it really sounds like a movie I would hate. <laughs> Just... I want to know what you think about it. I really want. I, I want you to see this. 
We'll invite you back for the deep dive of this one. Right. Uh, no, well, not, I, I'm I, never watching this. Again. Okay, look, <laughs> I don't feel that strongly about it. I I think it's a it doesn't work in a lot of ways, but it's still it's you know as part of the trilogy, it, it's you know somewhat important to me, and I gave it a three. I think, it, like I say, it looks good. Yeah. All right, it does look very good, and the the music's all right, and you get to see Asia Argento's ass for a second. It's kind of cool. You how get much, to see Lucas Haas make out with that other guy. How much of the three is you not letting go? <laughs> uh, at least one in there okay. for that. Yeah, uh, at least a bonus star for nostalgia. But uh, I don't know, John. What yeah. was that movie you talked about last time? Like you were going back and forth between like a one and a five on the Silver Globe. That's oh like, yeah, yeah, dude. We have to we have to do a debate on the shit. I have it on my uh, hard drive at home. I just haven't ever, haven't watched it yet. You're gonna have to okay. send that to me. <laughs> I, I was I was trying to watch it before our episode on possession, but I didn't get mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. I watched those other ones instead. But anyways, yeah, uh, last days is three. That's going to do it. We're going to move on to the deep dive. Uh, the first film in the death trilogy by Gus Van Sant, Jerry from two thousand two. Five out of five. All right. Jonathan is uh, this is his pick. <laughs> Jonathan, you want to tell us what this movie is about? It's about um, I don't know their actual names. Jerry. No, like the actual characters in real life. Um, two people. Jerry? Okay, well, okay, the movie is J- Jerry and Jerry. These two characters they get lost. Are you talking in about like the people he, it's based on? Yeah, yeah. No, who cares? <laughs> I mean, it's don't Jerry this up, dude. I know, right? <laughs> Come on. Two characters. Jerry named, the Rendezvous. <laughs> two char- yeah, two characters. <laughs> oh, get, Jerry, man. Two characters named Jerry get lost in the desert wilderness, whatever. On a scout about. Yeah. <laughs> on a walkabout, and uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, spoiler. One of them kills the other one. Mercy kill. <laughs> and uh, that's it. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, it's based on a true story. Um, the same thing happened. And you did just accurately describe 100 minutes of movie. Yep. Yeah. This yeah. is... Uh, now, Jonathan and I have seen this movie many, 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 many times. Uh, Kevin, you've seen this before? No. No. And John? Yes. Okay. Uh, well, let's start with Kevin then, because Kevin hasn't seen it before. Uh, what do you think about Jerry? It was all right. <laughs> I, just uh, I mean, like I, get, I get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> the, the dawn scene when they're walking. Just let him talk for a second. I mean, <laughs> let him get out his opinion before right, we, we rake him I, over I'm the just, coals I'm for kidding, it. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, there were there was a lot of cool stuff. I like I like pretty pretty much everything where they're like going. Where like the camera's following them for like long lengths of time, I like that. But um, yeah, I did, there's. I don't <laughs> know. Speechless. Just... That's how good it is. <laughs> Speechless. <laughs> no, I mean like it's like, what is there? What is there to talk about? Really? I mean like uh, I've got a laundry list of things to talk about. It is an experience. I guess so. It's something um, you hate experience. Cinematography. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I mean, I I didn't hate it, but I don't think there's there's for me there's not a whole lot to like or be enthusiastic about. Um how about that 360 shot of Casey Affleck staring into space and crying? Yeah, that's good. With the Arvo part in the background? Shit makes me cry. I know. <laughs> <laughs> right? Mr. Soulist over here. That's for real, man. <laughs> no, uh seriously, this movie uh I don't know how much is nostalgia because this movie was probably the first big. I mean, you showed this to me. This was the first big like experimental movie I think I ever saw. Mm-hmm. But uh, it still rules. I don't know. 
fucking the first fantastic. art film. That yeah, yeah, yeah. The first like you know, heavy-handed art film. I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's it, Sean. <laughs> I, I mean, it's flawless. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Just. Kidding. I. Besides the plagiarizing, it's pretty flawless. So I first saw this in uh, 2008. I, I had to like look up when I logged it on IMDb uh, to find that out. But I know that I had seen Elephant in whenever that came out on DVD and was available at Blockbuster, which was probably at some point in 2004. Yeah, yeah, uh, sounds about right. Fucking just I hated that movie so mm-hmm. much. I thought it was literally the worst movie I'd ever seen. Uh, and someone, I don't know who or how they did this, they convinced me I should watch Jerry. They were like, it's the one he did before Elephant that kicked <laughs> off the the Elephant like trilogy. And I was like, well, the Elephant trilogy doesn't sound like my thing. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, but I watched it, and uh, I remember just loving it. Like, I just, I loved Jerry when I saw it. It was, uh, like, I thought it was like an immediate, like, five situation. Um, and I don't remember why, because I watched it again. And I didn't think it was a five. And I think part of that is I can now like, I can now just like see his influences more. Oh yeah. Like the whole time I'm watching this, I'm thinking about this shot looks like this scene in Satan Santango, which is a Bellatar movie. It's um, the exact same shot. Like I'm talking about the one through the Canyon. Yeah. yeah. It's like the same, which thing. is a, a great, <laughs> I loved the shot like that follows them in the Canyon and like the, sound design with the wind blowing that kind of bleeds into like uh this kind of weird bit of of score is just like really cool it looks really cool everything in this movie looks like beautiful and wonderful but i'm i'm still just like thinking about bellatar and like the whole thing reminded me of uh james benning where like james benning is a i guess we'll call him like an experimental director Uh, and some of his movies are just like shots of landscape where he has like a, he just films a piece of landscape for a certain amount of time. And it's usually an even amount of time. Like he has this movie called 13 lakes, which is 13 shots of lakes, 10 minutes each. And like the pace of this movie, like each shot is a, uh, they're not all exactly the same length. And there are some short shots and there are some really long shots, but it, everything feels kind of, of evenly paced slowly paced throughout and it kind of it looked a lot like the movie Desiree by James Benning kind of felt like he just plopped two movie stars into (laughs) Desiree which uh, is not a bad thing that's a really good movie Um, but it's just again I'm just like thinking about it while I'm watching it uh, which I was not doing the first time I saw Jerry and again this isn't again it's not a bad thing and it's not a bad thing for a Hollywood director to find some really cool influences and do some really cool things Again, I'm just yeah, I'm thinking about it. Um, there's some like there's like some stuff I would take out of this movie. I think I might take out uh, don't, three don't. of the first five no. minutes. Okay. Like it it takes five minutes for them to turn off of the road and park their car. Well, they had uh, to fit the whole song in. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I just I'm not sure that's necessary. I think uh, you know this didn't have to be 100 minutes. It could have been 97. Um, what else like, would you lose? No, I mean that's that's that might be it. I don't that's know. it. Okay, uh, <laughs> good. I thought um, you were about to say you would lose like, like okay, just no. And and I and the whole scene then, like, of the rock. The rest of the beginning's great. Uh, like I love the dialogue at the beginning. Uh, and dialogue throughout is, is 
The dialogue this rules. Funny, this is a funny movie. It is great. <laughs> like the whole the burying down the road, the whole wheel yeah, of fortune. Yeah. That's yeah. Uh, just incredible. This, How it starts too. She thought it was a why. <laughs> why? <laughs> it's just great to start right in the middle of the conversation. It, yeah. I think the only thing I didn't like about the dialogue, which was it was just for like a half second, and then I was like, no, I think I do like this. <laughs> uh, at one point, they're just like shouting "fuck the thing" too often because yeah. they won't like mention where they're going. They just call it the thing. Yeah, and like every everything loops back around to the thing. You yeah. know. But then when they decide they're not going to get to the thing, they just start shouting, yeah, fuck, fuck the thing. The thing. And fuck I was the like, thing, yeah. You don't need to shout it that many times. But um, yeah, <laughs> a little bit of a nitpick. But <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. Is, I, I am. Like, I, everything I'm going to say, every everything that's not a compliment is a nitpick. Like mentioning the influences, nitpick, because this is an enjoyable movie. I yeah. like this a lot. Um, like I, I loved the establishing shots of like the sky the time-lapse photography of the sky mm-hmm. kind of yeah, like rules. shows us how time is moving but it also is sometimes confusing sometimes like he'll show us the sky and it looks like the sun's about to set and then we'll go back to to affleck and uh and damon and it's clearly like still well i see like, i saw that day. as the time changing as like they're, they're, they've been out there for a long time and it like doesn't matter but, but they only are ever out there for it's like two days and change, right? I mean, I don't know. How many days are there? I don't know. I mean, I, it, I mean it's... I guess I guess physically they can't be out there more than like three or four days because they need water. And but. see, I, I read like... I read that as uh, they're, they are disoriented. Yeah. Like... They're losing time. Time is time. moving very... Time is moving weirdly for them. Yeah. And so it's moving weirdly for us. Right. So I, I did... I thought that was intentional and I liked it. Uh, like... I love the mirage scene where the third yes. person is walking up. Yes, and then you find out that that's that's the most emotionally Damon. affecting scene for me is when he's when he he comes. He, Damon walks up and the shadow casts over Casey Affleck's face, and he says, "I really wanted to tell you that I had two bottles of water. And I knew where the car was." <laughs> and he's crying and stuff. Oh my god! Yeah, it's mm-hmm. just good stuff. That's good. And also the uh, the time lapse stuff. I'm not sure if you're aware of this. I wasn't aware of it before I watched uh, the special features on. Um, an inter- it was an interview with Van Sant on the My Own Private Idaho Blu-ray, where he says that they have he's he tries he gets the time lapse clouds in every movie he's ever made. Mm. Really? Yeah. And then I started thinking about it. and I was like, that's true because I remember it in Elephant. I remember it in, uh, and it's definitely in My Own Private Idaho. I remember it in uh, Promised Land. I'm trying to think of Goodwill Hunting because I watched that pretty recently and I don't remember it at Wait, all. Where is it in Last Days? Last Days. That's a great question. I didn't think about that. I actually didn't think about it while I was watching Last Days, but he says it's in every movie. He I'm, said it in the interview. I don't know. I, I, I believe that it's in there. I just I don't remember that. And, it might uh, be like right. a two-second shot, you know? Who knows? Yeah, but there's a lot of it in this movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of, a lot yeah. of it. But I don't know. Um, you know, I think everything else I have to say about it is, is, uh, is good. I mean, there's... Um, shit i like that they filmed in different locations the uh like the landscape of the desert changes suddenly and dramatically like they're clearly in death valley and then they like it, it ends in what is clearly the, the salt flats of, of utah and yeah they're in argentina at one point yeah too. like yeah. we have like wow. the kind of rocky mountain desert thing going on and then there's like the sand dune desert like all these places are things that could not be right next to each other just like they could not have physically walked there <laughs> <laughs> in in the amount of time they were alive um but that's like another thing where it makes it seem 
it just it enhances how lost they are i think yeah oh i liked all that and how oppressive the landscape is i mean just oh, like yeah, it's definitely like, you know mm. it's so dry <laughs> yeah and they definitely like they started off in like the pussiest desert yeah. you know the one that still has some plants and shrubs <laughs> right and it gets more intense and they yeah. die or and the salt the, yeah, yeah the salt it's like pure pure no moisture <laughs> yeah well uh i uh no surprise here this is in my top 10 movies of all time this is a masterpiece for me i think it's amazing and uh i know that it's inspired by bellatar and that doesn't bother me probably because i haven't seen a lot of bellatar movies but I honestly don't know that it would bother me that much. I mean, even like at a nitpick level, if if I did, because it's just I feel like it's not it's not you know it's clearly homage. Like it's clearly yeah. he's yeah. very into Bellatar. He wants to make the American version of a Bellatar film. He wants to throw those elements into his film. It's not like he's shooting in black and white, right? So it's like you know he's clearly he's taking the things that he thinks are interesting, and he's uh, you know putting the plugging them into his film and it's not like i don't like again haven't seen, i've only seen the turn horse so that gives you my uh my breadth of knowledge of bellatar but uh i did like it a lot but um i mean i can't i can't imagine that every scene is a bellatar scene ripped from one of his movies no. i know that that tumbleweed shot the canyon shot is because i've seen that on a youtube clip or something but that kind of stuff, I don't know. It doesn't bother me. And the and one of the, the I think the strongest thing that this movie has going for it is the fact that it's the is the casting of the actors, uh, the fact that it's these two. First of all, very good actors. Secondly, actually known actors because I think I was thinking about how easy it would have been to cast like unknowns in this because they don't really have a lot to do. So seemingly, like surface level, it seems like they don't have a lot of heavy lifting. But then they actually, you know, they do have these like emotional scenes and just like little stuff like when he says, like when they they stop on that on that uh, mountaintop and Matt Damon sits down and Casey Affleck's like, he's like, do you think we should, you know, go on top of that mountain? And then ben, uh, ben Affleck, Matt Damon, <laughs> Matt Damon looks back at him and he says, he says, stop crying, man. Like, is this that little bit like that's such a like delicate line to have to deliver? You have to like, yeah. he's just got a little bit of the asshole in there. You know, a little bit of the frustration. It's just very, very, I don't know. It's very, very good acting, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And um, especially, especially from Casey Affleck, who just his whole, I can't, ex- I can't express enough how much I enjoy listening to him talk about him conquering Thebes and whatever video game he's like, Civilization, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Such a great scene. Just him rambling about it getting things wrong like when he talks about it, he couldn't train the sheep and then Matt Damon's like train the sheep <laughs> and then he has to correct himself I don't even I can't even like I literally it's inexplicable like ineffable I can't explain why I like it it's amazing though like I could literally listen to that all day I could watch a whole movie about him talking about that video game to Matt Damon <laughs> over a fire it's just incredible and I do I mean yeah obviously I mean the cinematography in this movie is I was thinking about it last night about uh, I watched this last night. So I was thinking about the my, like in my opinion Days of Heaven is not a, it's not a controversial opinion. Days of Heaven is the like best shot movie I've ever seen. I think it's really really good looking. Obviously yeah. everybody, everybody does. But I was thinking like Jerry is is up there too for me. I, I like it looks astonishingly good. And there's a lot of 
it's not just like a movie where like yeah it looks you know like most like a lot of movies look good they're competently shot they're fine but this actually like makes use of light and shadow and you can see the cinematographer thinking about things the whole like you talked about the the, the dawn scene where the yeah. sun rises and the shot becomes increasingly brighter <laughs> i mean like it's really it's insane. fucking incredible yeah. uh and really and speaking of that scene just the the sound design during that scene with the I don't yeah. even know what it is. Like, who did that? I know that Leslie Schatz is the sound designer for all three of the films, but I don't know that he created that bit of score and like noise or whatever that was. down explosions. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and, like, the weird, like, laser. It's so, it's really, really incredible to me. Um, yeah, it's just, like, as a as a piece of pure cinema, if you want to call it that, as a, as a mood piece... Uh, it works in like so many different ways for me, and I really, really love it. I yeah. I have a couple of um like theories I found on the internet Do that it. I'm curious about what you guys think. Um, they're not named Jerry. Mm-hmm. Jerry is just the word for fuck up in their like shared language, and so the title is actually just. Fuck up. Fuck up. Well, it so, says uh, in the plot synopsis, it says two friends who have nicknamed each other Jerry. Okay. So I don't know if that's true uh, or not, but it does. it's not in the film. Who wrote the plot synopsis? Exactly. But, yeah, right. That's true. But they clearly use Jerry as a as a verb right. and a noun throughout the movie. You jerried the rendezvous. And, and I totally forgot about that aspect of it, yeah. Yeah. which was a nice surprise. Um, I, liked their, I liked the fact that their dial, not to get away from the theory thing, we can talk about it, but... The how the dialogue is uh, repetitive. It's like they have their own little language that they speak. Like how the scout about stuff and how he says, "I thought you had succumbed." I almost did succumb. Like, yeah. it, like nobody uses the word succumb. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Continue with your theory. Sorry. So the next one I looked up. Maybe this is the only other one I have. Uh, I saw someone propose that uh, Casey Affleck does not exist. There's only one guy, mm. Mm. and uh, when he kills. When he kills Casey Affleck, when Damon kills Casey Affleck, he's just like killing this other part of himself and then escaping. I don't know. I don't see that kind of thing. I don't like because I don't feel like that's substantiated by anything that's in the movie. Mm. I think. Except, I mean, I, I, I think the dialogue, like the way they speak in the same way, could support it, except for the mirage scene where Casey exactly Affleck talks it's about that's it. from Casey Affleck's perspective. Right. Yeah. So that doesn't make any sense unless you're saying that they're like split personalities and he was in Casey Affleck's personality at that point. Yeah, and this is like half ass research. Right. It's also based. Part, yeah, yeah, so. It's also based on the true story though. It's like, that's uh, true yeah, too. Yeah. Actually that doesn't, support but you can, it. <laughs> I mean, but it, it could support it though because you know, you, maybe there a, was no guy. N- who got no, killed. but it's like a person who, you know, a person who hasn't killed someone, is a different you know after they kill someone they're oh, a different yeah, yeah. person. I don't that's know, a good. That's not know. bad. I don't know if that's the same thing that was what he said, but yeah, yeah. I, I that's not and bad. I actually um, he killed his innocence. I don't think you could. I don't. <laughs> I don't think there's anything wrong with looking at it like that yeah. though either. It doesn't. It doesn't change anything about the movie to say that that's what it that the, that it's a that it's metaphorical. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. him killing that guy. And I actually this isn't a theory, but I had completely forgotten the end. I didn't remember. I didn't even remember that. Uh, he, like Damon got out and got rescued. Mm. And so when he got in the car Fucking and tragic. We're, we're panning from Damon to the other people in the car, I almost, I was like, is Affleck driving? <laughs> uh, and he was not. Is Affleck driving? <laughs> I don't know who this fucking kid is, but is Affleck uh, driving? Who knows? He wasn't driving. 
because uh, he's dead. That's pretty. Yeah, he's, he's that's pretty dead. solid yeah, evidence yeah. that he died. Right. <laughs> well, I saw. I mean, I, I let's we could talk. Let's talk about the killing a little bit because I don't. I remember the first time I saw it. First couple of times I saw it, being really confused by it, like why he killed him, and that whole scene. I mean, it's very like uh, esoteric and um, like he just the kind of like there doesn't seem to be much of a motive behind it. It seems almost like a driven to madness sort of thing or something, or like 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 John said, a mercy killing. And he said, I mean, I think the only line is I'm. He says, I'm leaving. Yeah, which is like what I'm. I'm, I'm ready dying, to die, or I yeah. am dying. Right. Or yeah. So then it's like, well, I'll just kill you then. But I didn't, you know, I, I remember I, the story when it actually happened. I, I must have been like fourteen or something or thirteen. But uh, that's what the guy literally said. He said his his friend told him to kill him. Did he so, say I'm leaving? No, I didn't okay, say that. Like, I mean, I don't know. He may have, but it's like he, so. It's just more of like a poetic rendering of what's horrible. Right, please right, right. kill me. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. All right. Okay. I, I, I guess I, I almost don't like having the facts from the story. Yeah. Cause, cause I don't, yeah. I don't know the story and I, I knew in the, like the back of my head, this came from some real event, but I wasn't thinking about that at all throughout the whole movie. And I don't know. I, it's, you know, I'm leaving can also be interpreted as like you, you've been the alpha Jerry and we're still lost and you've made almost every decision in this movie <laughs> and we're fucking lost. And I'm like, I need to separate myself from you. Yeah. And and I don't, so I just, I wasn't convinced that it was a mercy killing. I don't know how to interpret the killing. If, if you think that like Affleck is saying I'm leaving as in like, I'm getting away from you, but I don't know. Yeah. I I, I mean, I I don't have a problem with it being uh, mysterious to a degree yeah and i mean i don't need to know what's going on like that's fine but i just i just remember being like especially with the first time i saw this i'm you know i'm 21 or whatever and i was how does it make any sense you know like, <laughs> you know, like it's like we i watched i must have watched blue velvet you know 12 times trying to understand and like it just hating it every time because <laughs> i was expecting it to be like an action movie or something or like a crime thriller uh. you know then you finally one day it clicks you know but um yeah uh it's best of the uh best of the trilogy for me far and away yeah i was surprised neither one of you watched elephant for this time i thought about it but i just didn't have time yeah. I, had, I wanted to watch uh you were never really here so uh, i just i have an elephant related question that is also related to uh jerry um some of the shots uh especially the one where it's like the close-up on both uh, Affleck and Damon as they're walking. Yeah, that's, that scene is so fucked because it's like after, like it's so long and their heads are just bobbing and it becomes very, very like off. I kept yeah. say, I had to constantly like look and say like, where are their shoulders? Because then, then I'd be like, okay, now I can ground it and they're walking. But otherwise it looks like the disembodied heads floating. Yeah. <laughs> it was so strange. Um, yeah. The close-up style did not remind me of this, but uh, just the way he, he tracked it reminded me of a filmmaker named Alan Clark. Mm-hmm. Are you guys familiar with him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. Okay. Have yeah. you seen Elephant? Mm-hmm. Many times. Okay. I talked about it on this Is, podcast. Yeah. Uh, really? Yeah. He, Gus Van Sant claims it. It was one of the early shows, probably. I mm-hmm. saw an interview with Gus Van Sant. He claimed that he had never seen Elephant or well, any. It's Alan amazing Clark. how he but, named his movie Elephant. No, but, <laughs> no, but he, he <laughs> named, follows. You know, hold on, hold on. he named it Elephant so. because Harmony Crean told him his favorite movie was Elephant. And he explained Elephant to uh, to Gus Van Sant, 
and he just like took that and named his movie. I believe that that's how he found yeah. out about Elephant. I don't believe he didn't watch Elephant before he made Elephant because yeah. it's extremely similar. And that's another oh, thing. That's, yeah, that's actually mean... <laughs> a really interesting thing to think about that he's taking from Bellatar for this movie. He's taking from Alan Clark for Elephant. I wonder what he's taking from for Last Days. I, don't I know. mean, maybe something. Nothing. And I think there's still <laughs> like the slowness of Elephant can still be partially Bellatar. No, I mean, I'm sure and, there's that too. Again, it's not, well, it kind of feels like he saw Alan Clark before he made. Well, Alan also. and Alan Clark's film has no context whatsoever, so it's not like no. like the, his movie at least has characters and there's dialogue and things yeah, like yeah. that. But there's you know, and Alan Clark's film is just literally guys killing people. So, Fucking uh, speaking of good squi- speaking of good squibs, like <laughs> yeah. I hate to say that because it's such a like a, it's a serious you know situ- It's about this real tragic tragic situation that was going on, but it, the squibs are amazing. Yeah, <laughs> like, really awesome. Uh yeah, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. also apparently uh, <laughs> Tomb Raider is an influence. I, I read. I'm sorry. Like the video game Tomb Raider. On what? Uh, this. On Jerry. Yeah. It, on the Wikipedia <laughs> here it says besides the work of Bellatar, the video game Tomb Raider was uh, cited as an influence on the on the style of the film. Uh, By who? Van Sant himself. Van Sant uh, had mentioned that he didn't have much experience with video games, but uh, he was struck by the fact that the video games have there's there's like a lack of uh, cutaways. You're like you're you have to stick with the characters. Oh yeah. So, and I guess she's exploring Yeah, and also the landscape back, like the, and stuff. Yeah, landscape oh, and, the and the third back, person perspective. Third person yeah. like kind of uh, perspective. I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah. Mm. I thought that's kind of interesting. Really, yeah. That's kinda of cool. Yeah. So yeah, Tomb Bellatar and fucking Tomb Raider. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I also really I mean, would be remiss not to mention Arvo Parts music that is used in this. Yeah. Uh, incredible pretty substantial. Uh some incredible tracks. <laughs> Fear Elise. Yeah, Fear Elise. And what's the other one called? Uh, the darker one? I don't remember. Oh, I used to have the CD. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, speak, and speaking of soundtracks from last week, the um, listener who wrote in about... Cedric. The soundtracks, yeah. Uh, like, if this is considered a soundtrack, then, I mean, let's say this is up there. Like, those, those, those two tracks alone, you know? And I was also uh, thinking about... Oh, uh, Last Days. If there was a soundtrack for Last Days, which there isn't, and it had, you know, death to birth and the the looping thing that he made and Venus and Furs and whatever else, you know. Could be cool. Yeah, yeah. Could be a good soundtrack. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I like Forrest Gumper, though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else? I'm nope. sorry. I'm sorry that we're... Uh, Jonathan and I are so enamored with this movie. And John, too, I guess, to an extent that... uh there's really no shit talking this week, you know. <laughs> Kevin's not doing his duty here. He hates this thing. He he wants to shit talk. <laughs> no, I mean it didn't. It it's just kind of like middle of the road. Luke yeah, Luke. I mean, yeah. like I I will not attack you for shit talking it. I won't either. I won't either. I really so won't say whatever you want. I, I mean, I, I, <laughs> you hate this thing. Just talk. Come on. <laughs> let's just get some. Let's just get some Jerry therapy. Let's do, you know. Don't Jerry it up. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, uh, even though the movie's like a hundred minutes, like for me, it just kind of went by, and it's like, oh, now it's over. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, well, I, I mean, think the like, pacing it, of it, it really, is yeah, it really, though, like, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, it, it, go, it goes by pretty quick. Yeah. But yeah, like, I don't. It didn't. It didn't really do a whole lot for me, one way or another. Um. I mean, I think the problem, like, dialogue wise. Uh, you know that when they're when Casey Affleck somehow is on the top of that rock and he's trying to get down and 
you know, they spend like 15 minutes yeah. trying to, you know, make a dirt mattress. Dirt mattress, and, uh, man. And then he, then he just, <laughs> then he just jumps off, and it's like, okay, well, now he's off, and gotta go. That's that's keep it. Walking. Yeah, I really like shirt, the I, shirt I, basket. I, I, yeah, yeah. It's shirt, <laughs> shirt shirt basket, yeah. <laughs> shirt basket, man. I really dug that. I like I like how uh, Matt Damon. He's like he's like keeps trying to be like eh, this is like a two feet two foot uh, area, right? That looks pretty good, huh? I mean, I'm not done yet, but I'm like, like, yeah. like <laughs> this movie had to be a blast to make. All right, I mean, it's like I don't know, a just blast. Like, I spending your time of, in the desert. A bunch of dudes hanging out in the desert. That it yeah. might not be a blast. Like for that <laughs> for that dawn. That dawn scene, it's like, yeah, that uh, was pretty how many times did they fuck it up? You gotta wait till the fucking next day to film it again. Uh, the, I, I there's a scene on, there's a, yeah. a, a making of featurette yeah. on the DVD about that scene and how they made it. And it's, it did it's take not, a while. It's cool uh, because it's not interviews at all. It's just literally like somebody filming them making that scene and like setting up the dolly track and, uh, whatever else. It's a long yeah, fucking dolly track, too. Yeah, it's like, it's insane. Yeah. Is this on Blu ray, by the way? No, no, none of his, uh, Death Trilogy is on Blu-ray. Should be on, on Criterion. Should be on Criterion. But then yeah. they'd have to put out Last Days. Well, that's okay. That's, yeah. It's part of a trilogy. It's important. Yeah. So if, yeah, you, uh, if you can erase Last Days, though, okay, what what other story would you use? Oh, that's a great question. I, I honestly would like to see... Because the theme seems like it's in the 90s. Because you have yeah, Combine guess, and then you true. have the other thing. I don't know when the Kirk other thing Cobain. happened. I don't know. Yeah. OJ? <laughs> I would like to. Well, see, I don't I don't look at it as like. Jean Benet. I haven't looked at it before this viewing as like a. Um, how, the fact that they're all based on true events. I never really thought about that. So I would prefer it if they just like made something up, I guess. Mm. Yeah. You know? But again, and I don't know that. I mean. Jerry is to me. It's like Jerry is so much. I like Gus Van Sant a lot as a director. I even like some of his movies that people don't think are very good. I like Promised Land a lot, but but uh, to me, it's like Jerry is on a different level than anything else he he's done, including Elephant and including uh, obviously including Last Days. At this point, it's just like way way better than everything else. Yeah, and. Uh, like you had asked him if uh, if I had seen Paranoid Park, and I have. And Paranoid Park is like, it's really weird because it's it's like an amalgamation of his old style and and this style, you know. And it's kind of what he's been playing in ever since. Like uh, he uses a lot of negative space now when he shoots stuff. Um, like I just remember specifically in Milk, there's a shot where uh, Sean Penn confronts Josh Brolin. And it's like their heads are in like the very bottom and corner of the screen, and there's just like this huge amount of space. In I really screen. did not like that in Milk. Hmm. I just because uh, I, I wasn't sure why. Right, we felt the need. No, to do I that agree. In milk. Yeah, I agree, and I don't. I I don't have a huge problem with it, but it's like I like Milk. It's a good movie. It, but again, it's like those kinds of movies, like Milk and Goodwill Hunting, and even like my own private Idaho it's, or, and, and these kinds of, those kinds of movies are like, they're just, I guess it's just cause they're trying to accomplish something that's like so different than what Jerry is clearly trying to do. And, uh, yeah, I don't want him to like continue to make Jerry over and over again, but, and I like, like I said, I like a lot of his stuff, but, um, I don't know. We'd get into like Terrence Malick territory if he kept, Trying, yeah, exactly. Exactly. To, that would be, and that that's, that's not, not something I'm interested in at all. <laughs> Has he talked about like after this phase, just kind of jumping back into commercial filmmaking? I mean, because 
I think. Well, I think see, I, that. I think that I think that he did. He, well, did, he did jump a, back into commercial filmmaking. It was like years later, though, right? I mean, like he did Jerry, Elephant. After Last Days, he did Paranoid Last Park, Days and then Restless, him. and then I forgot and, about then Milk. Was milk? it Milk? Milk. Like I think it was like, I was like two, no, it was like oh seven, two thousand oh eight. I think it's oh eight. Oh eight. Yeah. So he made a lot of movies in a short amount of time. Yeah. But I think he's gone back commercial, but it's also like his style is clearly forever altered by these films. I mean, it's not yes. like like even a movie like Promised Land, which is very cookie cutter, is shot in a very like artsy way compared to, say, like Goodwill Hunting or Finding Forrester or something, mm-hmm. you know, like he's not shooting uh, in a in a generic Ron Howard kind of mode anymore. Yeah, I, I didn't mean to imply that he was, but it, it does seem like his uh like choices in material have sure. gone back to mainstream. Even even I with the new um, Joaquin Phoenix movie, he has. It's just a matter of. I think it's a matter of the the success and how you get things funded, right? I mean, he does Milk. He gets yeah. nominated for an Oscar. Everybody, you know, Sean Penn wins an Oscar. Dustin Lance Black wins an Oscar. They they're gonna let him have money if he makes you know big movies that are well received. If if Matt Damon wrote reason. his movie, then he'll he can make it. Promise. Yeah, if, that's if, probably uh, the only reason Jerry got made those because. No, I agree with that, but I'm saying like Jerry got made for even if even if they spent five million dollars on it, they didn't make back that money. Oh no! So it's like (laughs) they want to make back their money. Yeah. So obviously, he can make a movie. uh, He can make Milk, and he can make Don't Worry, He Won't Get Far on Foot, the new Joaquin Phoenix movie, because I don't think it's a biopic. It's Joaquin Phoenix. It's Jonah Hill. Hmm. It's Rooney Mara. Like, of course, that movie's going to get made. It's no Mm. problem. Yeah. What's interesting is that does it look good? It looks. I think. I, I think it looks good. No. You don't think it looks good? <laughs> I. I don't. I don't. I like Jonah Hill in it. He's just. So, I like skinny Jonah Hill. Is fun to me. <laughs> skinny. Jonah he's got a beard and like a really long hair. I don't know. Yeah, he's like total Leon Russell. <laughs> yeah, I think it looks all right. Anyways, but uh, I it was. It was interesting because I never realized that um the girl in Last Days is Asia Argento. I never realized yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And she, uh, and the author of the J T. Leroy story. Did you see this? The one about no. J.T. Leroy, the documentary. Anyways, it's about, uh, about the author who faked the book and the uh, they made up an author and then got their friend to, or their sister-in-law to pretend to be that author. Um, that movie, when they were optioning the book to make that movie, Gus Van Sant was going to be the person who made it, and he was in talks, and then it he dropped out for whatever reason, and Asia Argento took over and made it. And that was in like oh five, so it was like hmm. around the same time. So yeah. it makes sense, like they were all hanging out together, and he just cast her in this movie. And Asia Argento's movie looks terrible, but I didn't see <laughs> yeah. it. Have you seen the trailer? I can't remember the name of the movie, but it's got like uh, Melissa McCarthy and uh, Richard E. Grant, and like Melissa McCarthy is like faking these letters from um, like big big name authors. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have not. Yeah. I like mm-hmm. Richard E. Grant. Yeah. Who doesn't? What's the? Uh, this is new. Yeah, I just saw the trailer for it. It might have. It might have been before uh, Isle of Dogs. Oh, okay, no. I yeah, yeah. It was before I Isle of Dogs. I've not uh, seen. I'm not. A, I'm not a. Uh, yeah. Melissa McCarthy. I'm not on her bandwagon. She's uh, very hard to hard to get into. Yeah. I don't find her funny, and she's very obnoxious, and I just can't do it. Yeah. But um, yeah. Uh, Jerry, five out of five. Three. Uh, two and a half. <laughs> <laughs> I'll this phrase. Five. I'll go, um, I'll go 4.25. Nice. Cool. Cool. 
All right. Well, we have a uh, one feedback again from Cedric Mannheim. Who this is guy over here responding to uh, the question that you guys answered last week. He says, "Fine, best movie score then." Uh, and you fucks never answered the last part of my question. What music do you listen to? Set out. I, I thought about how we <laughs> didn't answer that last week. Oh, yeah. oh it's a film podcast. That was mostly, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's only movie scores. I listen to objectively terrible music. So, so did he just ask it with movie scores? He asked for movie sc- best movie score then. Okay, yeah, because I guess he asked about soundtracks and you guys best didn't. Movie he score. wasn't. He wasn't satisfied yeah, with your answer. Yeah, because last time he was specifically was like soundtracks, not scores. Right. So yeah, we answered that. And you should have said so. Garden State. I don't understand what what happened there. You didn't think of Garden State. Nope. <laughs> That's, you know, and Cedric, you're right. I gave a really shitty answer to that because I couldn't remember a damn thing. Yeah. It's hard. So. It's hard. Okay, so but sorry, yeah. so scores this time. Um, Should be easier. Score. Holy I, shit. I have it in my head, and I don't want to forget it, so I'm going to go ahead. Um, Say it. Uh, the Fountain. Clint Manziel. Yep. I fucking yeah, I just, pretty, I love it. It's pretty one, godly. And Mogwai. One of the only one. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> one of the only uh, soundtracks I have, or scores, excuse me, that I've purchased. So I loved it. It's good. I will say real quick that uh, I just, uh, having just watched You Were Never Really Here, uh, Johnny Greenwood does the score and it's quite oh, it's quite oh, good. Nice. So that's uh that's good. It's not as I mean it's one of his lesser scores I'd say, but it's still good. There's some moments that are very interesting, very strange. Uh for me though, I mean uh the the main theme from uh, Last of the Mohicans is <laughs> like <laughs> so you know, just fucking amazing to me. And uh I really like uh I mean, obviously, you know, yeah, like, speaking of Greenwood, like, his, you know, his score for There Will Be Blood is very good. The Fountain score is amazing. Uh, score, man. Yeah. I wouldn't have thought of that. I like Cliff Martinez's scores, particularly for uh, Sex, Lies, and Videotape, and mm-hmm. um, Only God Forgives. Yeah. <sighs> so good. These are all good. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I really like uh, Desplat's score for Grand Budapest Hotel. Mm. I wasn't blown away by Isle of Dogs. It, it gets a little repetitive, but it's not it's not bad by any means. Um, and Mark Mothersbaugh's uh, score for Bottle Rocket is really good. And there's uh, probably a band yeah, playing some, it. Some shredding that. going on. Uh, yeah. This is hard, man. Uh, <laughs> Sorcerer, Tangerine oh, yeah. Dream, sure. yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. God tier for uh, a thief too. Their score is good for thief. Thief was pretty good. Sorcerer's better. Um, <laughs> Beach theme rules. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, yeah, that did rule. Um, Solaris is fantastic. Oh, how are we forgetting this? Edward Ar- Ar- Artemiev. Uh, One of tricks point never. Yeah, good time. Good time. Oh yeah, yeah. That was one of the better scores in recent memory. That was really For fucking sure, great. Yeah. Uh, really fucking good. Yeah, that actually makes the movie substantially better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which like, is hard to. Which is, I don't know. That's it's a tall order. I mean, it's already a, an amazing movie. <laughs> um. Yeah. Stalker soundtrack's great. I don't know. I could think about this for like a couple hours. And I'll mention. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I want to throw one out just because I love a lot of the music in uh, '60s. 
Japanese and French New Wave films where mm-hmm. they used a lot of jazz. So yeah, they brought yeah, uh, yeah. Elevator of the Gallows, William Malay movie where um, he used uh, a Miles Miles Davis score or Miles Davis wrote a score. I don't actually know. Yeah, don't actually know if Miles Davis wrote it for now, the movie, but yeah. it's very interesting to me that you just said Louis Malay. I don't know how to say it. it's Mal. Yeah, Louis Mal. Sorry. Louis okay. Mal. Now I'm just making sure that I'm not wrong. No, I I no, don't. It's definitely Mal. Mal. Yeah. My bad, guys. That's okay. Four semesters of French. Uh, it's Mal. Yeah. I, I I should also mention the the score to uh since you know not to get too super commercial, but John Williams' score for uh Born on the Fourth of July is really emotionally affecting for me. Oh yeah. And the Scott Johnson does a score for Patty Hearst. Have you seen Patty Hearst? No. It's the Paul Schrader movie. Um, the, the, his score is amazing. It's like all rhythmic tribal uh, with like samples of like noises and words and shit. It's just really, really cool. Now, if we're talking samples, T2. Yeah. Oh, with the frying pans? <laughs> <laughs> Also, um, <laughs> <laughs> last last temptation. Uh, oh yeah, Peter, Peter Gabriel score. Ooh, amazing, it's fucking amazing. Yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. It's good. Fuck, I should have that one. I have it on vinyl. So, yeah, I feel you yeah. piece of shit, Cedric. You hit, you hit a nerve here. We could do this for like yeah, two hours. Yeah. I think just go back and forth with. <laughs> yeah. We're going scores. to. So uh, yeah. Also, uh, Let's continue. Giorgio Moroder for uh, Midnight Express. I actually haven't. I've been so long since I've seen Midnight Express that I can't uh, comment on that. But I really want. I've been meaning to rewatch it. I've had it on Blu-ray for about a year now. I've been meaning to rewatch it. Yeah, like uh, I like Alan Parker a lot. So yeah, and I guess I'll I'll apologize if uh, I'm ruining like a bit here. But are we going to answer the second part of his question? Oh no, we no. can't. No, we're not. No, we can't. It's a <laughs> film podcast. <laughs> it's, Jonathan doesn't like to talk about what he listens to. It's private. It's not private. It's just I. He can, listens I to one o tricks point. I could literally <laughs> talk about this for like hours. It's uh, ridiculous. Well, so we don't have to talk about it for an hour. Maybe yeah. just like five minutes. I've recently been listening to um, Matt Barry, the guy who plays Douglas in the IT Crowd. He also does music, and I've been listening to his album, The Small Hours, and mm. I think it's really, really great. Uh, he also has an album called Kill the Wolf. Is Fantastic. Have you ever been to England, Kevin? (laughs) No, I want. (laughs) It's not like your dream to go to England. Like you were such an Anglophile. It's it's, it's a little gross how how much you're in England. Well, (laughs) Anglophile plus history major. Yeah. Like my my bachelor's degree is in history, so like yeah, it's just like everything that comes out of England you're into. (laughs) It feels like not everything. I've never Doctor Who. I used to be into Doctor Who, but then it got a little too kiddy fucking love doctor who <laughs> jesus favorite Christ. doctor got, i got gallifrey on here yeah i mean christopher eccleston no <laughs> no i'm serious I, he's the only one i know but i'll high five you <laughs> i wanted my like everyone has like the guy from the unquote, loop i don't know what his name is peter capaldi yeah that guy like i wanted it to be him so bad but then like the writing on the show was just like he didn't curse enough for you well that <laughs> call people cunts part partly um, but like also it's just it's just got like two like okay, this is boring. And like it was like obvious that they were trying to like make it slightly more adult, but they weren't succeeding. And I it it just didn't work for me. When I start my Doctor Who podcast one day, I'll have you on so that I can yell at you <laughs> about this, but I know you love Sylvester McCoy. Let's uh <laughs> <laughs> oh, best uh, soundtracks. 
McCabe and Mrs. Miller, the Leonard Cohen songs. Those are great. And uh, yeah. fucking, uh, didn't he do another movie where there was a bunch of like source music? Uh, we just talked about Dead Man too, which was uh, oh, Dead yeah, Man's Dead a great Man. score, pretty great. Yeah, I was, like, I was talking about like soundtracks though. Yeah. But, oh, uh, I, oh, I, soundtrack. I haven't seen Harold and Maude, but all the Cat Stevens songs. If you're if good, yeah. I guess if you're a Cat Stevens, yeah, right. Fan. I don't know. Yeah. The Hired Hand, the Hired Hand, great, amazing score for the Hired Hand. Yes, yes, great, great score. Yes, beautiful, Ama- amazing acoustic guitar work. Beautiful. Yes, we're, we're caught in a loop. Uh, mu- mu- music that you listen to, Jonathan. You don't have to say much. Just whatever. okay. I'm just gonna just go down my list here. On my, okay, uh, on my well, iPhone. Is that okay? The whole yeah. list. Yeah. Of like gonna, music that's on your phone. Yeah, just on my phone. Okay. So I'm just gonna read them off. All like 800. Can I just? Can I just? <laughs> I'll just speak for you, Brian Eno. No, hold on. Hold on. He loves Brian Eno. Okay, so I'm gonna just go anything down the list that's here. electronic and weird. Yeah, he's into. So <laughs> we got Aphex to him. We've got uh, Hero Pink. We've got oh yeah, Ariel Pink, Autechre, we have Basic Channel, we have Bedhead, we have Brian Eno. My Bloody Valentine. We have Broadcast, <laughs> yeah, My Bloody Valentine. We have Can, <laughs> we have Cocteau Twins, we have Noi, Duster, which is a great band from the late 90s. Um, Eli Kessler, great drummer. Elliot Smith. Tim Hacker. Tim Hacker's fantastic. Uh, the Fall, fantastic. Uh, Finesse, Fever Ray, Flying... Uh, Burrito flying Brothers? S- yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Flying saucer attack. Um, uh, I like the flying breeder brother. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, Iggy Pop's on here as well. Uh, yeah, Interpol. Iggy Pop has two good albums. I'm a. <laughs> I am an Interpol apologist. So. Uh, oh, you're not. <laughs> yeah, first two albums. Yeah, the first two albums. First two albums. Yeah, are amazing. You Fuck. hate the rest of that shit. The rest, Come on. Yeah, it's <laughs> fucking horrible. It's really bad. I like the uh, first two Shins records too. <laughs> John Mouse is great. Uh, John Hassell. Um, King Crimson. Uh, Liturgy. Fantastic. Liturgy, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. The, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. So Kel I, Valhall? I, <laughs> I, d- I didn't know that we were going to have any overlap. So Sweet. All oh. John listens to is metal. Really? <laughs> Not all, no. but all. I, I, skew, <laughs> I skew heavy. Sweet. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, My Bloody Valentine's on here. We got uh, Neil Young on there. Uh, we got yeah. some New Order on here. We've got some... Joy Division? One of Chicks Point Never. Yeah, Joy Division. Yeah. Uh, closer closer fantastic. at least, yeah. Got some Oval on here. We've got Radiohead, Roy Montgomery, Slint, Smashing Pumpkins Apologist, um, <laughs> Stars of the Lid, Sun City Girls. Let's see what else. Unwound's on here as well. Uh, Wire, Yellow Tango. And, oh, I missed one. Uh, no, I didn't. All right. And a bunch of electronic shit that I'm not going to mention. Right. Because nobody Cause they, would know it. Yeah. yeah. Ports of Canada. Sports Canada's great. That's a big one for you, right? Yeah. Yeah. John? Oh. Um, Out of breath. Most, you know, <laughs> I, I listen to a lot of stuff. Uh, I like to say that I I like something from most genres, but I do, I tend to, to listen to a lot of heavy stuff. A lot of, a lot of metal, a lot of like uh, hardcore, mm. a lot of punk. Sweet. A lot of hip hop. It's kind of a pussy answer. You want to name any bands? No. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I just saw the Sword. It was probably oh nice the, the poppiest metal band I listened to. I love the Sword is liturgy. the poppiest. Yeah. Okay. I don't, I don't know. They, they, they kind of do like the the. Black I don't know Sabbath who the Sword thing, is. So. <laughs> Any real like of, uh, black, black metal? Yeah. Like what? Burzum. Like Dark Throne. Dark yeah. Throne. Yeah. No. Only like Burzum. You don't like no, the politics. The, 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 uh, uh, I, synthesizer I, I, who doesn't? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
Uh, Metal, metals, you know, like five or six years ago, I realized that I had to start Googling like every... Make sure they're not it's, racist. It's definitely black metal band yeah. that I listen to uh, before yeah. I kind of yes. decide I like it. It's a weird, uh, yeah, weird area. Yeah, they, you know, there's just too many hyper racist Europeans. that yep. are scary. Yep. Uh, um, Burzum being a, one of the, you no, know, the most agree. famous offenders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is he? Is his music? I haven't really listened to Burzum. You know, it's a kind of his a funny thing stuff for me. Is it have super, the racist stuff in it? I think it's more recent. Shit does. Uh, it, yeah, I, I think. Was that the guy you watched the documentary yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Till the late takes us. Yeah, right. Which is great. It is good. Uh, I, I like that. I think the well. early. I mean, the earlier stuff's kind of hard to even understand it, what the fuck's happening. <laughs> right, and <laughs> and even like take away the 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 politics of that guy. I don't love his his first few albums anyway. It's yeah. just. Uh, is it too lo-fi for you? It, yeah. There's other lo-fi stuff like Passage de Hiver, or it's another French thing. I can't say. Diver. Maybe. There's a lot of there's like the apostrophe H I V E black metal. Yeah, a lot of a lot of good French black metal. Um, I guess there's you know, and there's like that whole wave of black metal kind of mixed with shoegaze, like uh, yeah. like um, Wolves Wolves Swear, Wolves and, in the Throne Room. Yeah, I've Shelly seen them a couple of times. Yeah. I like them. Mm. Um, yeah, that Cascadian black metal thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where yeah. They, Sleep. Yeah, yeah. Like, I like sludgy. Sleep. I uh, I haven't listened to. They put out a new album yesterday. I haven't listened to that yet. Thou only like thou first one in twenty years. I d- yeah, I I went to school with the bassist of thou, and I've have like stayed in contact with him through the years. So I yeah, there there have been I, I've seen them like a hundred times. I like them. I, so I like those I guys. I've seen them a dozen times. I've seen them yeah. a lot. Yeah, I remember seeing them at like the dark room when there was still a dark room. Yeah, I was at <laughs> I was at the dark room. That was pre singer once a week. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think I so, went there twice. Oh, okay, I was Total. gonna say if you guys played, yeah. the played there lot, once, I saw you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Played, played there like, once, went there once. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was the deal with like both both these two guys. Like, like when I first saw John, when he like came into the library to talk to, I guess you were doing the Badlands podcast. Yeah, and I was like, I've seen that guy somewhere before. And then then when he was like, Yo, my friend Jonathan will come. I like I looked at Jonathan like I know I've seen you before. Uh, I don't know how because I had a fucking massive beard and long hair. Yeah, is it, is I was it, unrecognizable, Kevin. <laughs> you didn't mm. see me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's entirely possible yeah, that yeah. we saw each other at shows. See yeah. that this is the problem with uh, a music question because, like, you know, four people from the same town, we can go deep into like shared. Music experiences, yeah, shitty Baton Rouge all. scenes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't have any like. It's I don't a, like any bands that came out of this town. There was like, that's <laughs> I mean, even that's Thou. Like, I like Thou musically, but I can't yeah. fucking stand the singer and like the singing. Uh, yeah, I can't. No, I don't like no screaming. Okay. I'm not into it. I like. I like yeah. their musical. I like their it. music. I like. I love the fact that I saw them at um. Back when what's the, the place is called the library now? What was it called before on Chime Street? Northgate. Northgate. Yeah. I, used to, Northgate I saw them at Northgate Tavern. Yeah. And I remember being really impressed that they were a metal band, but that the drummer had like a three piece set. Like it was yeah, like nothing. Yeah. The jazz kid. Yeah. 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 And I was like, <laughs> that's a jazz drummer. Fucking awesome. You know? Because like most metal bands have like, you know, their 150 piece set where they've got, yeah. you know, 15 snare drums. And in. they're like, that's a weird group of guys because it's really only two of them that are into that or that were into that kind of music before they got going like the bassist that tall gangly yeah. guy he he worked for urban outfitters for a, while, for a while he used to play a fretless <laughs> bass he was like he was a jazz bassist the drummer 
he used to play in jazz bands with the drummer. Oh uh, wow! And like, these who's are, the these redheaded are like guitarist weird... guy? Andy. Yeah, do you know him? Uh, yeah, his he feet, was in some stunk. other. Do you remember that? Really? We called him Stinky Feet. Do you remember this? I don't think that was him. It that was, was somebody him. else. No, he, him. he was in other heavy bands. He was. Yeah, Andy was in like like eighteen different bands. Yeah, was him? That was somebody else. We were playing at Insomniacs, and he was there, and he took off his shoes, and they stunk. Dude, I'm sorry. Why are we trashing this? Yeah, I don't I'm trashing I, I, I mean, it. Might not, it might not have been him. I I'm don't sure say he's this. a nice guy. <laughs> was, it, was, it, stunk. was it a guy? Was listen, it a guy but... who basically looked like a leprechaun? Yeah, it was. I'm not trying to hate on him, Whoa, but man, he literally <laughs> do, He had the orange I mean, he's got, chin he's strap. Got red he had hair. the pointy nose. He looked just like a leprechaun. Oh, at the pointy nose, but he's got yeah. He had red hair. He looked like you with a shorter beard. I thought we only insulted each other and. Actors. Who said that was an insult? And people who send in comments. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Fuck you, Cedric. (laughs) F U X. Okay. um, Fucking Cedric build. Cedric build five minutes ago. He was like, "What have I done?" Yeah. uh, yeah. Well, I'll just be quick then. I like low. Low is fantastic. I like. uh, I still have a soft spot for a Silver Mount Zion and Godspeed. And uh, even though you know, I I haven't, I I haven't liked. I hate to interrupt you. I hate to interrupt you, but. uh, the only time I've ever cried during a song is the last track on Horses in the Sky when he talks about the... Uh, Imagine the view from a helicopter gunship. Intense. Little man comes into view. Yeah. You hit that switch and you cut <laughs> that man in two. That line, dude. It's, it's just, brutal. It's, it's amazing. It's insane. His li- Ephraim's lyrics yeah. are like... If I was to listen to like Judge Lyricist, he would be like top two probably for me. He's incre- His lyrics are incredible. Yeah, did that's, you, that's insane. Did you see the Silver Mount Zion documentary? No, movie no. in January is like a uh, it's a documentary about them. Like this, they, I'm not on movie stuff. anymore. So oh, okay, well, what's the, it called? Uh, fuck, I don't know. I'll look it up. <laughs> the Ephraim and one of the women they're together and they had a baby and it's like about the challenges of touring with the baby and hmm. like it, come he, worry with us. I've he heard basically of got Godspeed back together and started going on tour again because. He needed the money and knew <laughs> that would be money. Uh, oh, it's on YouTube. Fuck yeah, I'm gonna watch that. Godspeed Live was <laughs> it's good. shit. Yeah, yeah it was really incredible. incredible. Um, I like those bands. Uh, speaking Did you of, see them live? Godspeed. I'm, I'm yes. sorry. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> speaking of uh, Constellation, I like Sandra Perry a lot. Um, I like I like Hanged Up a lot. Uh. I've been listening a lot to um, this band called Headroom lately. I posted one of their songs on your Yeah. They're awesome. Uh, they're like brand new apparently, but they, they just do like this. Um, most, Constellation? No. no. Oh, okay. They're mostly instrumental. Like, um, I don't even know how you describe it. It's like, it's like, it's like, it's right in my wheelhouse because it's repetitive uh, guitar structured, like three piece guitar, drums, uh, bass structured songs with like tremolo reverb over them <laughs> like I, and like feedback and like it's just very very uh cool i really dig repetition in music so i like anything that's just like over and over and over again for long periods of time um get that trance going yeah exactly <laughs> i so i like headroom a lot uh or i have been listening to them a lot i've been listening to a lot of uh, a minor forest lately also uh, there's this band from the early 2000s, mid late nineties. And they're, uh, they kind of sound like slint, but with more lyrics and, um, yeah, that, that's all good. 
I was just telling, uh, I just watched a documentary about Frank Zappa the other day, oh, yeah, who, yeah. who I'm not a huge fan of, but I told uh, Kevin that he should listen to um, Todd Rundgren's record, A Wizard, A True oh, Star, God, because yeah. it's very similar to a lot of Zappa stuff, and it's very, very like, good. like home-recorded, like, yeah, like mastermind-type shit. Like, he's uh, just doing everything himself. Like, yeah. yeah. It's insane. A Wizard, A True Star is an amazing album uh, from an otherwise kind of... I don't know. Overly prolific artist, Todd Rundgren. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I really like, I mean, yeah, you know, like Radiohead's fine. They're especially like their, you yeah. know, Kid A, Amnesiac, Hail to the Thief, period. And uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Animal Collective. Oh, yeah, yeah. Their first, or their sort their of. Their first record is fantastic. Sort of all the way through Strawberry Jam-ish area. And after that, it's kind of lost on me but mm. especially here comes the indian sung tongs and feels are all and holland Dagen is amazing so but um yeah yeah and i've been listening to a lot of uh like i'll just find like oh i like a hawk and a hacksaw a lot which is uh jeremy barnes the drummer from neutral hotel he does this uh eastern european folk music with his i'm pretty sure they're together his wife or his girlfriend um, who plays violin and uh, he posted like a, a blog post about all these bands that he was into and that's where I heard about Headroom from sweet and uh, so yeah he's into a lot of really obscure weird you know classical shit and yeah I don't know pretty 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 good what's uh you want to segue into some jazz yeah who's into, who's into jazz an hour two Coltrane <laughs> uh, some uh yeah uh, Coltrane for the next uh, two hours what's that <laughs> album that I got for you Interstellar, Interstellar space, yeah, yeah. Interstellar yeah. space, fantastic. Uh, I like uh, Alice Coltrane. I like um, Journey to Satchitananda. It's amazing. You don't listen to jazz at all? I, I do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm l- laughing uh, at what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm not into jazz as much. I don't. I mean, that's like I listen uh, to that and like Coltrane's cool, but I'm not. I'm not versed in him as much. Oh, I, you know who I really like is Pharaoh Sanders. Oh yeah. More than anybody actually yep. in the jazz Fantastic. sphere. Like yeah. he's he kicks ass. I really like uh like my favorite Miles Davis album is still Bitches Brew. It has has been since I first heard it. But I also really like Sketches of Spain. Um and like <laughs> it was funny, uh like I remember in high school hearing like the soundtrack to Cowboy Bebop and then listening to like a lot of a lot of stuff in I guess like a five or six year period, and then going back and listening to that soundtrack, and I'm like, this is generic as fuck. But yeah. did you go to Suncoast and buy it on CD? It's no, like, I didn't. Yeah. Jonathan no. bought the, bought oh, all this stuff on CD. Oh, oh my so? god, shit fucking ruled, man. <laughs> terrible now, but it's... yeah, at the time it's like, ooh, this is jazz. But then like you actually listen to some jazz, and you're like, like and you go back yeah. to that, and it's like. Eh, it's all right. I mean, um, but well, yeah, and like uh, Dave Brubeck's album Take Five, like, um, pretty much every like, there's only like maybe a couple of measures of four four on that album. Everything else is five four or seven eight. Or my favorite track on there, um, Three to Get Ready. It's two measures of three and then two measures of four, and it goes back and forth like that through the entire geez. song. And it's fucking amazing. See, I'm more of a fan of the later stuff, like uh, yeah, like Coltrane's like post 
spiritual awakening mm. and like the, yeah. the fusion jazz fusion that's shit. why yeah, i like pharaoh yeah. sanders because like, it's all about like the higher power and like he's yeah. like chanting and shit during everything and especially yeah. in the 70s now, you get like herbie hancock yeah uh, sextant which is just like mind-blowing yeah no, mind-blowingly no. good like return to forever their album where have i known you before is a fucking masterpiece yeah and like the great thing about just, like that the more one, experimentation is just yeah it's more entertaining and, like, the thing that I love about Where Have I Known You Before is that, like, the rest of, like, the Return to Forever stuff is, like, very shred-heavy. Like, yeah. It's just, you know, as many fucking notes as you can fit on. But, like, on that album, they rein it back a lot because it's, like, Stanley Clark, I think, like, just transitioned to electric bass, like, right on that album. And so, like, you can tell, like, he's not super confident on the instrument itself but he's still a fucking amazing musician so he can just make it work all right let's cut this short uh <laughs> we're at 247 248 here so uh, uh red hot chili peppers david byrne <laughs> rammstein gentle giant matt berry uh brian eno fella Cootie, frank zappa frank zappa um one of those Black does Sabbath. not go with the others Quite a few of them don't go with the others. Um, that's uh, great. Great question, Cedric. If you want to get in touch with us, uh, write to feedback at filmiacpodcast.com. Visit our website, filmiacpodcast.com. We have a blog there, which we put like trailers and shit on. Next episode is going to be Kevin's pick. Kevin has a pick, which is? We are going to watch Lair of the White Worm by Ken Russell. <laughs> oh, that's exciting. <laughs> I am actually excited about that. It's a, it's a fun little movie. John, can we maybe have you, Are you back, back on? Uh, it would be like uh, this coming Friday afternoon. Uh, we'll see. I, okay. I, you know, I could probably do that. Okay. Uh, I worry that every time you guys have me on, it's we, we go a little long, but we won't. We'll we'll rain in the next time. There won't yeah, be any yeah. more feedback. <laughs> I'll, I'll delete our uh, our email address. No more feedback. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, we I, won't talk about music. I, I know that part of that is my fault. I can't. I can't seem to like get get my shit out fast like how you're going to talk for like two minutes about the inferno movie and then you yeah. talk for an hour about it well, you know because everyone i'm sure everyone was just like oh that inferno movie sounds fucking sexy i need to go see that <laughs> yeah all right later on over here we're like warm. yeah i'm gonna keep last day short half an hour later well that's not i mean you know like, i know I jonathan know. talked about it last week we had to talk yeah. about it yeah, but yeah I neither here nor there next episode ken russell's layer of the white worm uh thanks for listening have a good one Colors made of tears Shiny, shiny, shiny boots of leather Whiplash girl, child in the dark Severin, your servant, comes in bells. Please don't forsake him. Strike, dear mistress, and cure his heart. 